3 a.m. Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Um, hello. Hi. Um, welcome. Welcome to the Rise and Run uh, podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Welcome. Who in the world was that? Let's get back to that in a minute. Friends, welcome to episode 108 of the Rise and Run podcast. Delighted to have you with us wherever you are. Training run, driving in your car. We're happy you're here. I'm Bob and I am here with John. Hey, how you doing? With Greg. Hey, hey, hey. With Alicia. Hello. With Jack. Hiya. And with Allie. Hi, friends. Welcome back, Allie. It's good to see you again. It's good to You've be seen. Busy, 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 haven't you? Oh, I sure have. Um, most of you, if not all of you who have gotten your Rise and Run shirts in the mail may yeah. have gotten a little package from me. That's what I've been busy with. But she also sure has. running she some sure races, has. and I'm sure we'll talk about that in the race report. Yeah, Allie, we're going to get back to both of those in a little bit. But first, let's tell our friends tonight, our guests in episode 108, a person I've known, known in air quotes, on Instagram for five years and finally get a chance to talk to Carissa Leibowitz is with us to talk about many of her running accomplishments. Most significantly, she just finished the UTMB. In the Race Report Spotlight, Jeanette's here to talk about the Detroit International Marathon. Hang with us, friends. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, if you enjoy the Rise and Run podcast, please share us with your friends. Introduce them to the Rise and Run family. We want to share in their training journey, their successes. We want to hear their stories. Please remember to follow us on Facebook at Rise and Run Podcast and on Instagram at Rise and Run Pod. Visit our website, our webpage, riseandrunpodcast.com. You got a question, a comment, a race report, or you want to introduce an upcoming episode like whoever that was just a few minutes ago did. Give us a call, 727-266-2344. Leave us a recorded message. Back to who the heck was that? Greg, do you have any idea who it was? So I do. Um, but the thing is, we don't want to divulge who it is right now because we thought we could turn this into a little bit of a contest. So our good friend, Tara was just a couple of weeks ago she had the opportunity to travel all the way to japan and because of i believe a typhoon uh got stranded in tokyo for two extra days and when someone gets typically stranded in tokyo for two days what do you do but you go to tokyo disneyland 
in my opinion, the, the greatest Disney park known known uh, to man on this planet. But uh, while she was there, we're like, you know what? Here's some money. Go buy us some really cool stuff to give away as as prizes to our awesome listeners. Because let's be honest, Tokyo Disneyland has not only the most affordable, but the most creative merch I have ever seen in a Disney park before. So we have lots of ideas coming up in the near future, but we're just going to focus on this week. What we're going to do is um, we are going to have a Google form that is going to be available on our website, risingrunpodcast.com. We will also link it to our Facebook page. And easily enough, all we need you to do is give us your guess as to who you thought that intro came from and then obviously an email address so that way we have some form of of way of contacting you uh in the event that you guess correctly now if we have multiple correct guesses then what we will do is we will take all the correct guesses we'll put them into one of those randomizer wheels we'll spin it and then we will pick the winner that way yeah i i suspect we'll get more than one correct guess but that's cool that's part of the fun and if we have no correct guesses, I get the prize, right? That's right. Allie gets <laughs> okay, it. Great. That's for all her hard work on the merch. So the contest starts as soon as you download this episode, and the contest will end. You need to submit your Google form and, and your guess by October 24th at 5 p.m. Eastern. That that is the that is the last minute we will take the entries. And like I said, Make sure put a guess in. If we have multiple correct guesses, we'll put into the randomizer. And we're only going to give you one hint. And the only hint is this person has been a guest on the Rise and Run podcast. That's it. So good luck, everybody. And uh, we'll uh, be sure to, to give you the full answer uh, next week. And remember, friends and family of the Rise and Run co- podcast are not eligible. <laughs> You hear that, Becky? You can't enter. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all, all right. friends and family. <laughs> all yep. of us. Well, that's what I call them, family. Oh, friends. The Rise and Run podcast is sponsored in part by our friends who will let enter at Magic Bound Travel. Uh, Brad and Maggie spent a lot of time with us the last two episodes. You got a good chance to know who they are. That's the place to go for your run Disney or your Disney vacation needs. Magicboundtravel.com is the website. Give them a visit. Let them know that you heard about them on the Rise and Run podcast. Friends, the excitement builds. We are now two, count them, two weeks away from getting back into the run Disney season. Wine and Dine Weekend, 14 days, Training Week 16, the long run this weekend, 14 miles. Comment on that in just a moment. Holy guacamole. (laughs) You got that right. Marathon Weekend Training, Marathon Weekend, 11 weeks away, five miles on the weekend run as we. Had 17 last week. We're at a point in the training now where the long runs are long enough that they are three weeks apart and not two weeks apart. So we've got five this week, probably be six next week, 
and then 20 the week after. I haven't looked at it, but I think that's right just from memory. Disneyland, 12 weeks away, six and a half miles is your long run. Gang, one thing we we have to admit, sometimes we get a little guilty of, is we direct our attention to marathon weekend and wine and dine sometimes just kind of gets in the way and we don't want to overlook by any means is we know we've got a great number of friends listening right now who wine and dine is going to be their first time at Disney. Wine and dine might be their only time at Disney. And it's just exciting. And I'm so glad I am so happy and so excited that two weeks from today, I'll be at the expo and the race season, the run Disney race season will restart with wine and dine. Now, Jeff on Jeff's training calendar, the long run this weekend is 14 miles, even though the half marathon's 13.1. Why is that? couple of reasons. One is it provides you the confidence, especially if you've never done that distance before, provides you the confidence that you can do this. If you can do 14, you know you can do 13. But the other thing is research shows, Jeff's research and the research of others shows something we were talking about last week or the week before. I forget. It's typically not speed that holds people back in distance runs it's endurance so if you build your endurance to that extra mile what's going to happen is you're going to be able if you can do 14 you're going to be able to do 13 just a little bit faster than you did that 14 so it's also going to be a speed benefit for you do you have to do 14 no but will you be better served if you do? Yes, you will. Remember, this is your long run. You're going at your long run pace, which is two minutes per mile slower than your magic mile predicted pace for that race. Don't violate that speed limit. Even in this at this late date, hopefully you're doing great, but take it easy on that 14 miler or further if you're going to go further. One of the questions I saw on Facebook happens every year. Yes, on Sunday, we go from daylight saving time back to standard time. How do you set your alarm? <laughs> because a lot of us are going to be waking up right around that 2 a.m. time when the time changes. Best advice I read, and I don't know who to attribute this to, it wasn't me is set a timer if you go to bed at let's say you go to bed at 8 p.m which is not at all crazy if you're going to be getting up and you want to get up at 2 a.m you go to bed at 8 p.m eastern daylight time you want to get up at 2 a.m eastern standard time that is four plus two plus one that's seven hours Set yourself a timer to go off at seven hours. Now, most modern electronics, your phone, your watch, your whatever you're going to use, they are automatically going to 
at 2 a.m. revert back to 1 a.m. So you'll be okay. If you set yourself for 201 or 205, you'll be all right. But if you want to be sure, set that timer. I usually throw that backup alarm in at 201 just for the, uh, th- just to play it safe. No, that that's a great piece of advice, John. Yeah, the, the multiple alarms, you know, again, something after 2 a.m. I, I think where it gets a little tricky and where I think Bob's timer suggestion really works well is for those people that have extremely elaborate costumes or they're doing, you know, elaborate makeup as part of their, you know, race kit for the day. Obviously, you know, you have to build in that extra time. So there, I think the timer comes into play, but you know, like we've been saying, as long as you have multiple alarms for post 2 AM, you should be okay. But you know, you know, even call down to your, your resort front desk and have Mickey wake you up at, you at can 2 do that. 5 a.m. You know what kills me is sometimes I don't, especially a night before a race, I don't sleep well and I'll wake up and I'll look and it'll say 145. And I have no idea which 145 it is. So do I have 15 minutes left to sleep? Do I have an hour? It doesn't matter. I don't get back to sleep anyway. These weekends are not for sleeping, by golly. They're for visiting with friends, doing our run Disney events, and having a good time. Uh, I think just a note on that, too, is that if you are having trouble sleeping, remember, resting is still rest. So being in your bed with your eyes closed is still helping your body somewhat to rest before Mm -hmm. the races. So Mm -hmm. even if you can't sleep because you're so excited, (laughs) rest Mm -hmm. is still good. Mm -hmm. You are Spot on, my friend. Uh, I get myself to bed at seven or eight and I lay there and whether I'm sleeping or not, you nailed it, Alicia. Thanks. Friends, we know the we know that the wine and dine event guide is not out yet, but we expect it out anytime, probably even today, the day you're listening to this podcast. However, what we have found is All of the wine and dine courses, all of the wine and dine, all of the run Disney courses have to be certified by the U.S. Track and Field Association. And by going on their website, we have found the Disney wine and dine half marathon course. Yeah. So basically what's pretty cool about this, we should be running through, we're going through Epcot beginning it, starting running through Epcot, running to Hollywood Studios. So we should be running through Hollywood Studios still in at dusk time so you get some nice uh tower of terror shots some uh galaxy's edge so we have some nice nice uh views in there of uh hollywood studios yeah and i also like the it seems like this a more rounded course once you do get to the highway i remember last year there was like these sharp pin turns that we had to take which i just you know i do like having like highway miles personally but i don't i don't like those like sharp pin turns those caution runners yeah <laughs> and you have to like really like slow down and so i think if like i can get into a groove and sort of take a little bit of less of those there are a couple where we have to go up on a um you know a ramp and stuff like that but but nothing like we did last year and then you know it seems like a little bit more sometimes we only get a little dip into epcot at the end and this one seems like you know we're getting that that kind of full experience that we, you know, when we get a longer run through Epcot. So that's nice. Yeah. By the time we finish, we'll have been through almost all of Epcot and you do get a fair amount of time in Hollywood studios. 
So those are the only two parks we're in for the half. But that's good. The sun will be coming up a little earlier. Well, in fact, it'll be coming up an hour earlier than, than it has been. Right now, in this part of Florida, the sun's not up till about 7.15. So a couple of weeks from now, it'll be closer to 7.20, 7.30. But once the clock goes back, the sun will be up by 6.30. And you're still right, John. You still should get into Hollywood Studios around dawn, depending, of course, on your start corral, your speed. But should be fun. And we get to walk, run by Blizzard Beach and not hit the parking lot. <laughs> Big plus. Yeah. Yeah. We get to the parking lot uh, about eight or nine weeks later. Uh, in January. We can tell it off on this one. We can say, no, thank you, Blizzard Beach. Yeah, right. <laughs> not today. Closed. Your ticket, that should be in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. Why not an after party tickets? Probably you should have them by now. There was some question. I know Disney put instructions out saying you had to have the hard ticket with you. They put that out last year for sure. I didn't need it. I had it synced with my magic band. I probably did have it with me, but I know I didn't need it, that the magic band was good enough. They scanned that, and I did not need to show a ticket. Yeah, and my wife doesn't have a ticket. She has a piece of paper email. That says you have a ticket to the oh, after really? party. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So we've only got, really, we've only got one more full episode between now and when we show up at Disney World for Wine and Dine. As we learn new things, we will pass them along to you. But again, we expect that event guide to be out real soon. Hey, friends, let's visit with our guest for the week. Friends, one of the things that I love about this podcast is all the great friends I've met, whether it's you, fellow runners, or we, folks that we've had a chance to talk with and become friends with. And sometimes I think, this is cool. How did I get in this situation? And tonight's guest is one of those for sure. I go back, January 2018, I'm goofing off at work, <laughs> I'm, I'm online, and I I must have read an article on halfmarathons.net, I think. And I thought, this article is really neat. And I looked into it a little bit. I looked up the author. I started following her on Instagram. And now, five years later, here she is, Carissa Leibowitz, Quadracool on Instagram. What a great Instagram name. But we're glad you're here. Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Chris, I am like beyond excited to have you here. You you guys all know how much I love hearing about everybody's stories. Um, this story, to me, I feel very honored to hear because it's a dream that I have. I'm not going to cry. But it's really cool to see other people's dreams come true, especially like I look up to you because you, you've you lived the dream that I hope to have one day. Um, but to, before I say what it is, not only, Chris, uh, are you a marathon runner, you've ran 50 marathons with your best being a three-hour and 13-minute marathon. You've qualified for Boston 10 times now. But you guys, it doesn't stop there. She's also an ultra runner. 
She's done 29 ultra races with her 100-mile PR being 19 hours and 7 minutes. So without further ado, we will also, again, soon talk about this. But the reason I'm most excited is because you ran my dream race, the UTMB out in Mont Blanc. Can you describe your story to us from the very beginning before we get to the ultimate epitome of World Series races? Sure. So the... uh... I'll give you, I guess, not the short and sweet or the really long, but kind of in between. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I have been a runner most of my life. I started running sometime in middle school. One of those, I'm sure I've heard countless other podcasts where people talk about running the presidential fitness mile and oh, yeah. uh, being reasonably okay at it. And uh, I kind of got the, the bug then um, and used to run laps in my neighborhood with my cool cassette player bouncing off of me with my mixtapes. And uh, in high school, I ran um, track my freshman and sophomore years of um, school. I am kind of a nerd and went to college pretty early, so um, skipped out on my junior and senior year. And um, so I didn't run anymore um, for school. I just ran for fitness in college, kind of fell off the wagon a little bit, as you do in college, but then um, really refound my love of running again in, um, in my 20s and decided that I wanted to sign up for a marathon. I skipped over running a 5K and a 10K and a half marathon and <laughs> yes. right into a marathon. And the only thing I wanted to do was just to finish. Um, I had no idea about, you know, what you were supposed to do other than that you needed to practice doing a long run. I did almost all my training on a treadmill. Um, I did that too for my first half marathon. I thought I regretted it. Did you regret yours? I, I do now. When I think <laughs> about that, I'm like, what was I doing for like three hours on the treadmill? Oh, yeah. Um, I was watching movies. I don't know about you. I, I was too, but. In the gym, I was doing it in the gym, and it was just kind of whatever was on the TV would be what I would be watching for three hours. Um, so, yeah, um, I know better now. I do sometimes still use the treadmill on occasion, but um, really <laughs> more outside. I've gotten smarter, I hope, a little bit uh, the more I've done it. So did my uh, first marathon in all cotton, no gels, had no idea um what I was doing uh no watch I mean it was just to go and finish it it was awful um I thought I was gonna die at mile 16 I'm sure I went out way too fast um because I had no idea what I was doing and uh but as soon as I crossed the finish line and um the next day I was like I, I want to do this again and I want to try to do it faster and um, I did, this was actually when Atlanta used to do a full marathon on Thanksgiving Day. And, oh, um, yeah, yeah. So I did the full marathon. And then the following spring, I signed up for um, the, they now just have the one in the, uh, the springtime and um, wanted to better my time and wanted to, I was slightly over four hours and uh, I wanted to dip under four hours. That was like my new goal. And got a watch, learned about taking gels. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and just got hooked after a couple of a uh, couple more marathons, I decided to, 
I was getting closer to qualifying for Boston. I started, um, I was part of a blogging community on Runner's World. That's now defunct, but um, got to know a lot of people from that group and um, knew, started to know people that had qualified for Boston and kind of got the the bug and uh, worked really hard to try to get that time. And I don't know, there's something to be said for once you start chipping away, you see what you can do. And uh, I've slowly lowered my marathon time over time. I actually just set a uh, PR. I'm 41. Um, after many years of trying to go after it, uh, a PR for going on five or six years now. So that's you, ac- you actually won one this year, didn't you? I a very small one, but yes. Doesn't matter. You didn't <laughs> hey, have yes. to say that. You didn't have to say that. I did. Still. I will, because I came in like okay. ten thousandth place in Boston. So I just want to quantify. <laughs> that. All right, fair enough. But but I did win a marathon this year. It took me forty nine of them, but I did win that's one. Awesome. <laughs> Wait, so uh, now I'm very curious. Was Boston your first world major? Yes, yes. Holy crap to have that as your first world major and you qualify for it. Do you have goals set for yourself to do all of them? I mean, I would like to. My problem is that I like to do all the things. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so my list, uh, people have asked me, you know, do you want to do the seven continents and do you want to do all the majors and all the different, and those are just marathons. And so then we talk about all my ultra dreams and uh, yeah, I don't have a trust fund. So <laughs> uh, no, I get that. Yeah. So I do have to sometimes be a little picky with what, what I choose. And I'm also a big person of, um, you know, I have to, to really want something to chase after it. Um, you know, especially the, for the ultras, like my heart, your heart has to be in doing something that's that long so i don't want to just choose something because everybody else is doing it or um or that kind of thing so i would love to do the world majors that being said um i put my name in the hot hat for uh london and uh berlin every year and get rejected like everybody else but but i figure at some point you know maybe i'll just go the marathon tours way or something like that if if push comes to shove i will say having have any of you guys done a marathon tours for a world major yet no okay because i know okay so lexi and i have and i it was our first uh, world major but i mean i will say doing it for one that's overseas we couldn't have asked for any better experience because it took away a lot of the stress because they were taking care of us and making sure we got to the races and giving getting us to the expos and the touring of the city. So if you end up going around that route, be more than happy to help you out and give you as much information as possible. That is good to hear because I'm using that company to go to Antarctica in March. So I'm going to love it. <laughs> well, Carissa, you mentioned that you were that you've done 49 marathons. Do you have what's your plan for the fiftieth? Anything special? Fifty was Boston this past year. Oh, so, yes. I, oh and that's awesome. actually the reason I did that race. The forty ninth race was because, as silly as it sounds, that I wanted my fiftieth to be something super special. Oh yeah, so I slid in. I slid in one <laughs> right before, just so that I could uh, have that one being my fiftieth, and then I ended up winning the forty ninth one. So. <laughs> 
I love that idea, you know, like that you can, that you're marathon ready enough that you can just slide slide a marathon in real quick before you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't super smart, but I don't know. <laughs> Antarctica. Yeah. Wow, I, you got to be fired up for that one. When is that coming up? That is March of this, uh, so like five months from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds exciting. I I hope I hope we get a chance to hear about that. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. (laughs) I may have to bring you back. Well, I'm wondering what kind of preparation are you doing in relation to that next um, goal? Uh, Like training wise? Yeah. Um, Honestly, I'll probably just do more of this. I mean, we talked about me being always marathon ready. I mean, I kind of feel like that's just, I race so much. I love it. and just being prepared. I'm actually doing the 50K in Antarctica. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Golly. It's not just a marathon. It's an ultra. Holy yeah. Wow. Yeah. They just started offering it through this company this year. I think another company has done it in the past. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, doing the 50K. So, I will probably just, because I hear that it's on kind of a gravel, rocky, um, trail-like surface, I'll probably just try to mix in more of that kind of stuff, which honestly I do in my training anyway. A lot of times I do I do race a lot of road marathons, but I do cheat and do my long runs a lot of times on trails because honestly that's where I love to, to be and where I, lo- I love to train. So I'll try to throw in a, a long road run every once in a while just to humble myself and remember how hard they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that in your Instagram account that you do love the trails. That's really cool. And you have experience running in the cold, right? You ran Everest. I did run the Everest Marathon no in 2019. Um, interestingly enough, it it was cold at base camp where where um, the race starts. Um, it was probably in like the upper 20s, maybe lower 30s when we started, but it was very sunny, and obviously you're much closer to the sun up there. So um, <laughs> three miles, yeah, and I. I hate the heat, which is funny because I live in Atlanta. So I was actually very comfortable. I started that race in um, a short sleeve shirt and gloves and um, was very, very comfortable. So I, I don't know, I, I find ra- ra- racing in the cold to, to be fine. So um, it was, it was, that was a trip of a lifetime. So this is, this next one will also be a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. Wait, so, okay, so out of the 50 marathons that you have done, because it sounds like you've done so many amazing ones, not just obviously in the U.S., but all all across the world, it's soon to be, really with Antarctica and everything, Um, what has been your favorite? So I would say that the first time I qualified for Boston is probably the most special marathon to me. Um, I was not quite sure if I could do that and to this day probably the um one of my favorite race memories um it was at Rehoboth Beach in 2013 it's uh I'd always run marathons in Atlanta so I had no idea that you could go and run a marathon that was flat (laughs) 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 um and have nice weather and uh it was my watch died at mile 15 of the marathon and it was such a small race that they didn't have like timing clocks at any of the mile splits and I was too chicken to ask anyone what kind of pace we were running or what the time was I just wanted to run as fast as I could and hope for the best and 
when I came into the finish shoot and saw that I was uh, under the, my Boston qualifying time, which at the time was 3.35, and I saw that the clock said 3.32. And nice. I just burst into tears because it was something that I had worked really hard for. So that's, I would say, my favorite racing memory. Uh, certainly, good probably one. the 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 most i don't know special race at this point yeah. in time though um i mean everest is that's that's definitely pretty epic man that's <laughs> that's pretty yeah. pretty epic for for marathons so i don't know it's so hard to choose it's like choosing your favorite kid <laughs> uh-huh. we've heard that before yeah. Yeah. yeah all right jack i will unleash you now you may you may go ahead you know, you guys, I am just sitting here itching uh, to get into this conversation. You know how much I love ultras. Before we get into UTMB, please tell me how you got into ultras. What made you inspired to even do one? Was it something you saw on a vlog? Was it like, oh my God, these they people do these? I got to do that now. How did it come about? So much in the way, I guess, of um, jumping into a marathon as my first real, I guess, adult race or what have you. Um, <laughs> I uh, decided that I wanted to run a 50 miler. I had some friends, again, from the blogging community that had done even crazier things than that. They they had done 100 mile races. And, um, you know, I was like, what's going to be kind of, I had qualified for Boston. Um, you know, I'd run a few marathons at that point in time and I kind of wanted something to, to go after that was different. And I was very intrigued about, um, seeing what would happen if you went longer. So I skipped over the 50 K and decided to just sign up for a 50 miler. And, um, I actually ended up in my training deciding, um, to sign up for something a little bit shorter. Um, in between, I did a six hour race kind of leading up to get to the, 50 miler train just to kind of practice with nutrition and I had never spent that much time on my feet before um so I did a 50 miler and um yeah on the trails I did what it was in uh Woodstock which is in Michigan I had a friend up there um so lovely trails again very different from the things that I was used to running on so I found it to be a really amazing experience and um, got hooked and I just started signing up kind of like anything else it just took off and (laughs) you just work your way up and all of a sudden you're signing up for 100 milers so here we are how long how long (laughs) did it take for you to go from 50 to 100 I'm curious so, well, not very long because after I did the, the <laughs> after I did the fifty mile in, in two thousand fifteen, I was like, well, maybe I should see if I could do a hundred. And I actually did a um, hundred. I signed up for a twenty four hour race, so I was hoping to do a hundred in twenty four hours. Which, looking back now, I don't know why I thought that. I mean, I did end up doing it, but it seems pretty. Um, I don't know, like not humble of me to assume I could do that. Um, but again, had, I knew people that were doing it and decided to, to try it. And uh, I knew it was possible. So yeah, I, I had a number of friends that had done it. And so I decided to try that. And that was 2016. I love that. I love that too. Like, like I almost wish like I found ultra running the way you did because I found it through YouTube during the pandemic 
where and I didn't know anybody going into it. I didn't even know it was a thing. I love that you already had a community that had experiences that can share them with you, that you can work with, and they can help you. I think that's absolutely beautiful and, and amazing. I'm like literally jumping up for joy. I have watched vlogs about UTMB, but I've never actually got to speak to someone who's ran it. It's like so exciting. I get to pick your brain right now. It's amazing. Um, so just to describe UTMB, you guys, UTMB Mont Blanc is an ultra marathon that is a 100, uh, what is it, 104 miles about? They, they say it's 106. Uh, yeah. I, most people's watches, including Jim Walmsley, said like 110 yeah. miles this year. So who knows? Yeah. Exactly. With ultras, it will say it's a distance. Like it will say it's a 50 miler and it being 54. But your watch will still stay a little bit longer than that. Or like yours, it would say 100. And I think I saw your picture. It showed 111 when it's originally posting that's going to be 106. Now, again, those are some wandering miles too. Because if you get lost, you get lost. You add on the mileage. You have to figure it out. Um, which not saying that's what you did, but I definitely did one time. <laughs> so it definitely added up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what's great about this race and what makes this race, you guys, specifically unique, one of the items you have to carry on you at all times is a passport. And here's the reasoning why. It is not only a 100-mile race, but you're actually running through three separate countries. You run through Switzerland, Italy, and France in some of the most gorgeous views that you can like you can only imagine or see on movies or film. Like that's what's so breathtaking and exciting. But with that, it is also one of the hardest races that you can run as an ultra runner because you have to you have to worry about all these different elevations that you're running at. And not only that, you're you're having 33,000 feet of elevation gain during the entire race. That is like holy crap. I didn't cuss, Bob. You can't take that out. So <laughs> <laughs> But that is what makes this race so unique. It is literally the World Series of ultra running in 100 milers. It is the epitome that all elite runners go to. And it's and it's like Boston. It's extremely hard to get into. Not only do you have to have a qualifying time, you have to be able to get extremely lucky. And you get put into a lottery and see if your name gets pulled out of the hat. Now, without further ado, please tell me your UTMB story from the very beginning, how you qualified and what it was like. So I started putting my name in UTMB races as soon as I started collecting running stones, um, which was a couple years ago. So I only collected a couple running stones from some of the races that I did. So I had enough to apply for some of the shorter distances like the OCC and the CCC. For somebody who doesn't know what a running stone is, can you tell me what that means? So uh, running stones are UTMB's kind of point system. So um, different races give you different um, running stone numbers. Um, they've since kind of changed the way that they um, do the lottery system um, with the UTMB. But essentially, the more stones that you have, um, if you reach the maximum number of stones, it allows for you to apply for um, various race distances. So if you have more stones, meaning you've done some harder, more difficult, longer races, then you have the ability to 
um, apply to do a different, harder, uh, longer race. Um, <laughs> that's, that's your that's prize. Your yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so I had applied for some of the shorter ones, knowing just how hard it was to get in. But I, I'm the kind of person that's like, at the because a lot of these uh lottery systems or a lot of the lotteries happen kind of towards the end of the year beginning of the year and i just put my name in all of them and see what sticks and then honestly that that's determines which uh thing that i'm going to be doing the following year i hope that i don't get into all of them at some point in time (laughs) the way that they kind of changed the lottery system i ran javelina um and completed it in 2021, which gave you, um, that's one of their um, Mm -hmm. kind of uh, series races um, that they have. And that gave me like a full um, lottery ticket or what have you to enter. And I put my name in and honestly kind of forgot about it because like I said, I put my name in so many different races that I put my name in the hat. And I remember this past January, another running friend of mine posted on her Instagram story like that she had got oh my gosh she had gotten into UTMB um a a friend who lives um in Greenville uh South Carolina and uh you know I was like oh I should check my email make sure I didn't like throw anything into spam and sure enough open my email and see it and honestly at first I was I was a little panicked. Uh, I yeah. wasn't quite. I I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to. Uh, I mean, I did, but I was also like, oh, like I I wasn't prepared to be picked. And now it seems really scary that I'm gonna have to figure out how to get over there and take time off and train and um, figure out uh, how I'm gonna do this race that is so different than anything else I have ever done. All of my 100 mile races that I've done have been super flat compared to UTMB. Um, they have been uh, fast 100 milers. Um, so I I had no idea how I was going to get prepared for it. Um, Wait, so I just want to clarify, was this your first time putting your name in the lottery for this? Uh, for the full, uh, for the full, re- I think I put my name in for the pandemic year and then everything okay. got pushed out. I think I had enough stones for that. I'll be honest. I don't exactly again, cause I register for everything. So it was, it was at the very least, it was only like maybe my second time for the, the full one. And that's why You're I was lucky. I know. And that's why I <laughs> truly didn't expect that I was going to, to get it. So I didn't even think anything about it. I'm like, I'm just going to here you go. Here's my credit card information. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously I decided to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though, when you, when you get that email and it's just like, oh, it's got really real all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Um, what kind of cutoff time do they give you for this with so much elevation? When you said there's, you've done fast ones. What's this so one? for this one, it's uh, 46 hours and 30 minutes. And I would say that most uh, most races are somewhere between 30 to 36 for 100 milers. Yeah, that's pretty common, I would say. This one is extremely different. I mean, the amount of people for UTMB that either um, get don't make the cutoffs is amazingly large. I'm, I was watching the live stream when it was happening. It would be like, oh my God, there's already like 400 people that are gone or, you know what I mean? 
Like to say that you finished, it doesn't even matter what time it was. This It's astonishing. It's an astonishing feat. And especially with not as many females in the realm of that race, it's incredibly impressive. Was it like less than 10% of the field is women? Uh, Something there, like that? About it's a, 10%? It's about 10%. Yeah. About so 10%, there was 200 and... Uh, 212 don't call me on that was just over 200 women that were in the field and of a field of 2800 people that started yeah let's put things in perspective real quick jack now you mentioned about 33,000 feet of climb right not elevation change but climb no climbing climb everest is a little over 29,000 feet so your total climb is more than climbing Everest from sea level. So I'm not going to be putting my name in the lottery, but that's just, I just want to put a little perspective on that. Now, before we even get to the race, how do you even train for something like that? Because I know you said you're from Georgia. Did you use a lot of the trails here to try and work on the elevation gain? Or how did that go about? Did you have a running coach that set you up in a way? Yes. So I have worked with a running coach since uh, 2000, actually right before I um, was planning to have the big spring with Everest. Um, I had been injured the prior year, which was really the only injuries that I've had in my entire running career. Um, As I'm sure you've gathered from this conversation, I go pretty hard on things and needed someone to rein me in. Um, And I really hired a coach to help me with recovery and to tell me to take time off after races and just to be a smarter runner. I have no problem with being motivated to run. That's not my problem. I have motivation to recover properly. So um, I had hired a coach and I'm we've worked together now for five years. So um, we set up some bigger long weekends um, where I could go out and test my nutrition, um, time on feet, and um, just try to get as much um you know, vertical gain as I could out of the mountains that I have to work with. Obviously, the mountains in North Georgia are nowhere near running in the Alps. They are are not close. Um, However, the last year I had the opportunity to go over and run um, part of the Eiger 101K, which is a um, a, a race in Switzerland in the Swiss Alps. And um, I did about 40 miles of it. I DNF'd that race. Um, but I do feel like it was kind of, um, in the end, a good thing for me. Not only did I get to experience, um, you know, running in that kind of terrain, but also I kind of had a little chip on my, an additional chip on my shoulder going over to UTMB, um, just really wanting to make sure that um, if I was going to spend all that time and money to, go to Europe that I was going to get a finish, um, especially for a something that was going to be really hard to get into again. <laughs> was the race in Switzerland uh, a way to train for this race or is this on a different time frame? This was on this. So this was uh, July of the prior year. I had no idea I was going to be getting into UTMB. I um, it, it is a lottery race that I um, had gotten into, but not nearly as hard to get into as UTMB. Um, I actually have a really good friend who is from Switzerland. Um, his parents still live there, so um, kind of 
the reason that we went over there to to go and race. Um, but like I said, it ended up being a great opportunity because the terrain is very, I mean, they're all part of the same system. Um, the Eiger is um, just solely in Switzerland, but it gave me, um, I would say, a good perspective as to what I was going to be up against it at UTMB. And I think had I not had that experience, I would have... Um, I would have found it even more difficult than it already was. Now, preparing for this race, how many days did you set aside to um, be in France and train in France right before the race? Did you set aside a few, like a week prior to start date? Or did you, like, how'd you go all about that? Because I know some people arrive early to get used to climbing and then the elevation gains and knowing what that feels like and getting used to breathing at that kind of elevation. So I did not actually do any sort of training over there. I flew in, um, I got in Tuesday and the race starts Friday at 6 PM. So, um, I got there in enough time to shake out most of the jet lag and, um, not that it really matters when you're running for yeah, a few nights right. anyway. So, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I did start the race, I, I did feel like I was on the correct time zone finally. Um, but, you know, I would say, I, like I said, I spent all summer, um, you know, just putting together, for me, some bigger long weekends. I'm a pretty low mileage runner compared to other people who are doing similar things and running similar times. My happy place uh, is probably 50 miles a week. I might bump up to 60 or something like that if I'm in a big training block. But, I, you know, I, I'm not. I don't do tons of crazy miles. So that's, um, and I would say that's partially because I race a lot, um, but just kind of knowing where, where my spot is and my happy place. So um, I did go out to, in um, June, I went out to the Grand Canyon and did Rim to Rim to Rim, which was a nice ferdy um challenge um that was my second time doing that one it's beautiful and terrible all at the same time um but that gave me a nice long training weekend um and my friend and i we we went up to utah to do some um a couple little i will call them hikes in moab and arches um so it was a really nice good training block for me um utmp is not actually at elevation really i mean it's somewhere between 3000 feet you do climb up to just over 8000 feet but the majority of where you're running is i would say somewhere in the like you know 3 to 5000 range oh, you're that's not so doable i was going yeah. to ask yeah that's yeah. interesting Yes, which is very different than Hard Rock. (laughs) Hard Rock (laughs) is an elevation, so you are deprived. But UTMB is is not, and I I didn't really feel like I had any adverse effects from that. That's good to hear, because now I'm like, oh, okay. That honestly makes me feel a little bit better, because like looking at the photos, I'm like, man, that mountain is really high. It looks like it's in the clouds. Dear holy God, I still want to do it, but oh my gosh. Now, okay, so you're at the start line. What was your feelings? Like, did it feel like any other race day? Was it like, this is the race? Or was it just, you know, like, I'm just going to have fun? What was your exact feelings before the horn went off and all the runners started? So uh, it felt, I don't know exactly how I was picturing it to feel. I was 
nervous and excited and all the videos that I had watched on YouTube and all the people's pictures that had been posted, it, uh, it felt very surreal to look at it from being inside the like starting area. Um, we got lucky that it was beautiful weather the entire race. Um, no complaints about any of that. And I just remember that, you know, just standing there being crushed amongst all the other runners, everybody just had that like nervous excitement. One of the really cool things that UTMB does that um, they have you wear on your, um, the bib on the front of you and the one that you're supposed to put on your, um, your backpack or your hydration vest uh, has your name as well as your country's flag on it. So you can pick out, in my case, being the American that I am and unfortunately only speak English, that I can pick out the (laughs) other people that may potentially speak English. Most Europeans speak, of course, many other languages. But it was nice to know that if I saw, you know, a British flag or an American flag or an Australian flag, that I definitely could strike up a conversation um, and, and talk to other people. So it was really cool to be standing there. I actually had uh, a really good friend who we um, we shared an Airbnb together. We actually spent the first 50K of the race running together, which wasn't planned, but because um, I knew it's 100 miles, you're going to end up doing your own thing. But to share that experience with somebody was just really exciting. And I don't know, I was just so ready. There was so much hoopla and excitement about it that I was just so ready to, to get rolling, to, to start putting the miles <laughs> in on the race. <laughs> No, go ahead and truly explain your your journey. Uh, what kind of thoughts you had during each, like during certain points? What challenges you faced? Were there points where you thought, you know, what maybe I may not be able to finish it? What What was your journey like? So the running through town when you first uh, when they release everyone to go, they don't actually do a gun or a horn they play a song which I didn't realize until afterwards because I was like so far back that I just assumed I didn't hear what was happening up front but they actually just play it's it's got a name and I'm sorry I don't remember what it is but it's a very specific song (laughs) it's a very specific song that they play and then they release you and of course you know Jim and Courtney take off doing their five minute miles Mm -hmm. and the rest of us shuffle along through through town um but to me And I've run some pretty, I've run New York, I've run Boston, like I've run some very exciting races where there are tons of spectators everywhere. To me, that was the most exciting, like one mile stretch of running in terms of feeling like, I don't know, I was more important than I actually am. (laughs) because people were pouring out of hotel rooms and they're like crammed on the streets. Like you can touch the spectators everywhere. They're screaming. They've got their cowbells. Uh, It is, and it is just wild. I mean, there are so many spectators that are, that are out there and um, the runners are all squeezed into a pretty narrow street. So you're kind of all on top of each other. But to me, like, I, I don't know, like sometimes that can be a little annoying in a, in a big race, but I felt like it just kind of added to the excitement at that point in time that I was part of something that was like bigger than just me. Um, so the, the first, I would say 13 miles or so you're on like a, 
pretty wide expanse, which is good because there's 2,800 miles that they eventually have to shuffle onto a single track trail. So this kind of allows everyone to spread out. And I know just based on what my expectations are, I have in my head that I know it's going to take me two nights. So I'm mentally prepared to like go through a night, go through a day, <laughs> to go through another night and still be running. So I knew that I had so much time in front of me. Um, I obviously didn't want to be chasing cutoffs, but I I was taking my time. Um, and like I said, I ran the first 50K with, with my friend because we were trying to take it easy as possible when we were going through those first miles. Um, the aid stations, um, they're very different than the U.S. in the sense of like the food that they serve. So here we have M&Ms and grilled cheese and quesadillas and Oreos. Um, they have the European version, I guess, of all those things. So they have bread and cured meats and um, fruit. And I mean, there were obviously some similar kinds of things, but, um, you know, it's always interesting when you're used to certain things in um, what you're going through. And then you have to figure out how you're going to fuel because, um, I mean, I suppose there's some people that carry all of their nutrition on, on you, but I don't know that I could carry 42 hours worth of fuel on me. So Yeah. uh, yeah, the aid stations were they were always crazy because everyone, of course, once they get to, you know, the next one, it's like the oasis in the mountains that like everyone is uh, stopping. And especially I would say in probably the first 50 miles or so, there's just so many people fighting to like fill up their water bottles and, you know, to grab a space on a bench or, or that kind of thing. So um, there are there's mandatory equipment that you have to carry the entire race. Um, I was going to ask about that. You mentioned the passport. Um, You have to, there is a huge long list of things, but you have to carry a rain jacket and a long sleeve shirt that's a certain weight and a, um, a regular pair of like leggings or pants and then rain pants. They can't, they can't be the same. You have to carry two pairs of pants with you. So I, I actually do have a, a question, but before I get into that, just so everybody understands when she means it's a long list i was looking at the list earlier today you have this basic list and then you have your cold weather list and then your hot weather list for most of utmb for this race specifically it's almost everything on on all those lists so not only are you having to worry about these miles that you're gonna your legs are gonna be excruciatingly tired after you you also have all this weight that's literally on your shoulders that you have to carry with you all the time. And almost so that one of the top three finishers for the females, she had forgotten her gloves at one of the aid stations. And since it's a required element, she had to run back a few more miles just to get it, just to continue on running. Because now correct me if I'm on Chris, do you get checked? For your stuff at certain aid stations or how does that work so they can check you at any time so i don't know if they check you if they're like think you're you know if you walk by and you like have nothing in your bag 
um, or something like that. Maybe they do. I don't know. Um, clearly my, my bag was like stuffed to the brim, but, um, they did actually do a mandatory check. I want to say it was maybe at the third or at the 50 K aid station that they did it. Um, and they had little like TV trays laid out in front of the aid station and they had a, like a laminated card that had three pictures because it's an international race. So I assume that they want to make sure that they are communicating what they're looking for. And they checked to see if you had a smartphone, your emergency blanket, and I forget what the third item was, but there were three things that were part of the mandatory gear that you had to fish out of your bag, which, you know, everybody's got like a million things. So of course I'm like, you know, and it's dark and I'm trying to see where everything is, but anyway, check your stuff and then they allow you to, to keep going. So, um, they do have time penalties if you're, if you don't have, um, certain items, I don't, really know what they do to give you those items or what have you but yes they do they did check it so I felt happy that I had all of my stuff in the event that they did and I will say I did use everything that was on the gear list with the exception I didn't use my elastic bandage um I didn't get hurt thankfully um and I didn't use either pair of my pants because again I I am run very, very warm. So, but I did use all of my shirts and <laughs> all the other things that I, that they had in there, um, that they required for you to carry. So that aid station check sounds like a funny, like, uh, like a, like a bridal shower game or something where you just have to like go in your purse and like find things and then you get a prize. That's <laughs> but exactly your how you it get felt. To keep running more miles. <laughs> Like Monty Hall, let's make it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. (laughs) So Carissa, you mentioned that you're doing this over two days. I'm curious about the mental game of that because, I mean, you say that your mileage is pretty low normally. um, And I assume that you're not necessarily training over (laughs) two days total normally. So how did you prepare for mentally to get through not only the – 100 plus miles, but also to get through day and night and day and night? I was very motivated to, because the lottery system and it's so hard to get into this race that I didn't want to have to try it again. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I just settled into the fact that I was going to be out there for so long. And I kept joking that I was just getting the value package, that I was getting the most bang for my buck by being yeah, right, out there right. the, the longest and um, really, truly getting to enjoy the, the sights, so to speak. Um, I will say it's weird. I think mentally, because I knew it was going to take so long that the it really, the especially the first overnight did not feel like, I, I was like, oh, wow, it's sunrise already. Like the time didn't seem like it was taking as long as it should. And there were points along the course that I was so excited to see because of all the things that I had watched on YouTube and documentaries and reading about that, like those happened like later in the race that I, I remember being like, I'm so excited to get to Cormier. Like that's the 50 mile aid station. The top runners are getting there in the dark. Um, Us normal people are getting there in the morning. Um, but just seeing all those shots of things, I'm like, I'm so excited to get to that 50 mile mark. Like, that's cool. I'm going to be in Italy. Like that's where they say that the real race begins. And to me, like, 
I was so excited to get to that point. So I think I had those little like checkpoints along the way, especially later in the race that I was just, I don't know, like I felt like I was, okay, I'm going to check the next box. Like I'm going to get to this next portion of the race. And I also just, I don't know, like just gratitude for being there. We talked about that there's only just over 200 women in the field that like, I don't know, there was, there was, I felt like almost like a bigger purpose. Like I got to get this done for all the ladies that don't have the chance to, or feel like that they, they don't have that opportunity um, to do it. And just how lucky I was to get to the starting line healthy and that I can do this thing. Also, I don't feel like knock on wood or whatever they say um, that I don't want to have to ever do this again because it is so freaking hard. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Chrissy, did you sleep on the course at all? I did. Um, the So the race starts at 6 p.m. on Friday night. On Saturday afternoon, I was about 55 miles into the race and I could not keep my eyes open. And I have done some light sleeping in some um, 100 miles before, 100 mile races before. So I just peeled over to the side of the trail when I found a shady spot and set the alarm on my phone. They have these cool little things on the back of your, where it shows your name and your country's flag. You could flip it over to uh, where it says, um, like, shh, I'm sleeping. Basically, um, awesome. other runners. I'm not, that, yeah, I'm not I'm, dead. I'm, right, I'm, I'm not sleeping. dead. Also, please don't disturb me because I don't want to be woken up. Like, just leave me alone. I'm okay. And Did it say um, it multiple languages? <laughs> it, 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 it said it in French and English. So, okay. yeah. Um, and it's got like the little Z's on it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and everybody was given one. So I, I, I will say I don't really notice. I didn't really notice many other people using them. Um, you could kind of tell if people were, you know, sleeping or not. But anyway, I made the conscious effort to be like flipping over my tag. And then I fell asleep for 15 minutes. That's how long I set my alarm. And when I woke up, I will say I felt like I slept eight hours. Like I woke up, I was wow. completely re-energized. I was pumped to get to the next aid station and felt really good. And then that <clears throat> night, I tried to sleep a couple of other times at some of the aid stations and never, I, I knew within a minute of lying down that I wasn't going to fall asleep. So I just popped right back up and went along my way. But at one of the aid stations in Triant, um, I was there at probably four o'clock in the morning. There was a uh, German polka band that was playing very loud music inside the aid <laughs> station tent. Um, it, everyone was like screaming because, of course, this band was playing. And I told um, my, you're allowed to have one crew member at various aid stations. I told my crew member who was in the tent with me, I said, can you set an alarm for five minutes from now? I laid down on the picnic, picnic bench in the tent and just passed out for five minutes she said she could tell that like within 15 seconds of me lying down closing my eyes that I was fully asleep and um I woke up myself five minutes to the nose um thinking I had slept for hours she's like no you've only been asleep five minutes um you're good and uh so yeah total 20 minutes for two nights wow remarkable I want to know, and this is only something that our international listeners can tell us, like in other languages, are they Z's when you're sleeping or is it something else? And I don't know. 
I'm not going to ask that on the podcast. Or if on the card. But I might ask that in our group because I am I'm curious. I am. T- I think the, the emoji, like when the has Z's next it to does. it, like for sleeping. So I don't, but. So like for a lot of times when, when we talk about people jumping from a half marathon to a full marathon, we say things like it's not the same as doing two halves. Um, did you find the same thing for a hundred milers when you were, when you started doing them? And especially this one where it's a lot harder um, that it's not like doing two fifty milers. Is it that same kind of thing? Or do you get into a rhythm where it's just like, as you start to add on to 50, 75, a hundred, you are just mostly in this brain tenacity sort of space um, versus, um, you know, adding the mileages onto your feet so just so much because it seems like a really mental thing like it seems like all this hundred mile is like you just have to keep going and like turn the pain off in your brain or something I'm not sure that a lot of us can imagine what that's like yeah I would say that the the jump is significant that it's not just 250 milers I mean even I would say on flat 100s that um you know just that really anything to me, in my personal experience, anything that's after 100K is just, um, it's a slog to, to keep going. Um, I would say, I don't know, it's, to me, it makes me think of like the difference between maybe a 10K and a marathon. So um, just all the additional things. And then, and that's why I, I would say for me, jumping from doing flat 100s um, to, and I've done some harder, shorter races. Um, I've done some harder, shorter adventure runs, things that I've just done on my own that are not races. But to go from 100 mile flat to UTMB is, um, it is definitely the hardest race that I have ever done by far. Um but also just, I don't know, there's there's so many positives to it. The scenery, being a part of something that is um, such an iconic event. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of motivating things to, to keep you going um, while you're out there doing it. And honestly, you're, I don't know, unless if you're at the front, you're probably not doing a lot of running. I mean, I would, my average pace was like uh, 23 minute miles. I mean, that's, that, that's walking. Um, I mean, it's not crawling, but it's, it's walking. I mean, and I did do some running on, in the beginning on some of the flatter sections, maybe some of the downhills, but um, I don't know, like you don't necessarily have to be a fantastic runner to do something like that. I think mentally you you have to, of course, want it. You obviously can't be a couch potato doing it, but there's a lot to be said for people that are just really strong hikers um, and that are super motivated to, to get it done. Carissa, you wrote that somewhere around 100K, you knew you were going to finish. Even though you've got 40 miles left to go, you knew you were going to finish. Talk to us about those last 40 miles and what it felt like and what it felt like to come back into Chamonix and, and knock this thing out. The thing that I was most looking forward to on the course was the, it's the second highest climb. It's up to Grand Cole Ferre. And uh, I was hitting it um, right around uh, late afternoon. And I was just so excited because it's what, 
all these um, documentaries have talked about and all the books that I had read that said, you know, this is like one of the hardest things because you've already got, you know, 60 plus miles on your feet and that you're about to go into the second hardest climb. And after that, you have a bunch of other significant climbs, but this being one of the the most iconic climbs, like it is just very steep. Um, But I was hitting it at a time of day that was super beautiful. And I just, again, I just felt so lucky to be there. I was ahead of time cutoffs. This was after I had taken my nap. So I was feeling perky again. And I knew if I just kept eating and moving that I was going to get it done, that I was ahead enough and just feeling very motivated to, um, my crew was awesome. They were giving me updates about, um, my other friend that was out there giving me front of the pack, um, updates. And I just knew that, um, I was going to do it. I, I don't know. There was just something in me that said, you know, no, you're, cool. you're going to, you're going to get this done. So, um, the last few climbs were super hard, but again, I was like, just thinking about like, okay, well, I only have this and this. And I, there was almost like a little bit of sadness too, like that I was getting to the end, like, oh, this is like almost over, like these months of training and uh, the race itself. Like there there was definitely that feeling of like, oh man, like I better soak all of this in because uh, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) But uh, I also just feel like, wow, this is really cool. I met a lot of amazing people. I'm, I'm a talker on the course. Um, when, <laughs> Same. Uh, and I will make, I joke to my friends, I was like, I will make anyone be my friend. So I <laughs> forced my friendship on many people out there. Um, and just, I don't like, I had such a good mental, um, I don't know, game going in and during the race that I, when I got when I finally hit the pavement in Chamonix, which felt amazing because I was like, yay, pavement. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> after being on uh, rocks and roots and all that for however many miles, um, I I was just a ball of emotion. Um, I put my sunglasses on on purpose so that people couldn't see that I was crying. I and, can only uh, imagine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just, it was so special. It's uh, coming down that, it was everything I had had imagined it to be. So Fantastic. I couldn't have asked for a better day and night and next day. <laughs> <laughs> With it being such a difficult race, um, did they have any special bling for you at the end or do you get a belt buckle or what do they do for as far as like a medal? You know, I will say that is something that they could work on a little bit better. <laughs> I knew it. Man, dang and it. you know, I I didn't really know until I started doing some research um, leading up to the race because I was curious. I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a UTMB buckle. Like, what is their what does their medal look like? I guess, and they don't give you a medal. You get a finisher fleece uh, vest, mm-hmm. like, okay, which is nice. Yeah, um, but um, so I'm. Uh, I know that people listening to the podcast can't see the room that I'm in, but I, I am a person who saves medals and my bibs and um, they, so, you know, there's, there's definitely some memorabilia kind of stuff, but uh, the swag was a little, little lacking. Maybe that's something that they could do for the future. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but they can't take those bragging rights away. That's Absolutely. true. You know, that's I mean, that's really true. <laughs> that's really the bottom line on this one, I think. I think that's amazing. Chris, uh, literally, <laughs> I have so many questions. I could talk to you probably all night. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, um, hearing your story about your finish, and I can only imagine how that would feel. If you could say one thing that would inspire someone to do an ultra, what would it be? I've always liked the phrase, you're stronger than you think. Um, I, I think that a lot of times I will say, especially as women, uh, that we, we put ceilings on ourselves that we say, oh, that's for somebody else. I, I could never be that fast or I could never run that long. Um, that's for other people to do. Um, that's part of my running journey. I, I always thought that doing longer things or crazy things were for other people. And then at some point, something in my brain switched and said, you can do this. And along the journey, I will say I have failed. I have I've raced 50 marathons and they there have certainly been some big bombs um, out there that have not gone the way that I expected them. I've DNF'd before um, some races that I thought I was really prepared for. Um, But when you do have those magical days um, and when you do have the opportunity to, to do that, you are stronger than you think. I just put my name in the hat for hard rock. And even though I just did UTMB, uh, hard rock, terrifies me but um you better believe if if i get in that i'm gonna try um because why not what is the worst that could happen that right um so i'm gonna give myself the opportunity to to do as much as i can while i can when i when i can so this year's proved to me that you know my my running journey even though it started you know 25 plus years ago that I just set a PR in a marathon. I said, I'm 41 now. I set a PR in the hundred mile race. Um, so my journey's not over yet. <laughs> it's only just begun. It is. It is. So, well, Carissa, I just want to say truly thank you so much for everything and, and being an inspiration, especially to females, because there really isn't that many females in the ultra community past, like I would say a hundred miles, I feel like the longer the distances go, the less females you see during the races. And it's so wonderful to hear, um, your experiences and, um, thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you tonight and we can't wait to see what else happens. I mean, my goodness, you're just a world traveler. (laughs) I'm excited too. (laughs) With that being said, um, how would you like to connect with our community? Would you like to go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. So I'm um, mostly on Instagram. Uh, My handle is quadricool. So I post, I'm one of those people that post stories all the times, um, mostly about running, but I'm a big foodie and uh, also love my dogs, so you'll see some of that too. And um, I'm on Facebook too, so I post things there too, Carissa Leibowitz. So that's usually where you can find me. And I do blog. Uh, I don't know if people read blogs anymore, but I still write race recaps and um, any of my adventure runs. So I am also on there. You can find the link in my bio and Instagram. Thank you so much. And again, 
This has been amazing. Thank you. I enjoyed that. I knew I would. Uh, I'm glad Carissa got a chance to join us. And I'm glad she got to share her story. And I'm glad she got to meet Jack. Yeah, it was so much fun. I've been looking forward to this interview, especially because one, Chris is just amazing. And two, this is like literally the, if I had to choose one race that is my ultimate goal race, it's that one. So it's been absolutely amazing finally being able to talk to somebody who's ran it. Yeah. Yeah, I knew you'd enjoy that. No surprises there. Hey, friends. Uh rise and run merchandise is either in your hands or will be soon because Allie, as we pointed out at the beginning of the episode has been working her tail off on that. Allie, you got an update for us? Yeah, I've got pretty much talked to everybody, um, gotten shirts out the door and we have a lot of shirts that we ordered for our, our shop. So we still have some of those beautiful burgundy colored wine and dine shirts available. And if you get your order in within, you know, a few days after this episode passes, I would say within that the week, then I should be able to get that out to you in time for you to wear one to wine and dine, wear it to the expo, wear one to the meetup, <laughs> wear one to, um, you know, one, two, or three of the races that yeah, you're doing. Yeah, where one coming, so, one going, one on the 5K. Yeah. <laughs> Do a costume change in the middle of the race. But there's time to get you some shirts. So so we're working on um, all of the all of the limited edition 2023-24 race season shirts. We all ha- Those are all up on the website now, and I'm working to get the stock um, uploaded so that we have updates for what new colors we have in stock and stuff like that. So if you missed our pre-order get your order in ASAP. If you're doing marathon weekend and you still want a shirt and you want to represent and find your friends, then you can take your time leisurely. I should be able to have plenty of time to, to get you that order. And um, yeah, if you if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me, uh, Allie at riseandrunpodcast.com. So feel free to email. Allie, thanks for your hard work and thanks for the update. Riseandrunpodcast.com, the website, there's a shop shopping link at the top you can get them there i i hope i'm going to wear mine to the uh to the expo yeah i'd I'd love to love to see you there in the expo that way we can find one another and we can say howdy and uh i think that i think that'll be awesome i was excited to get them so i think they look great they feel great and we make them reasonably priced because we know this is just like a beacon for you to find other people who are part of our community. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're actually really comfortable and they're really lightweight. And I wear them on a lot of my runs. I pretty much wear them to every yeah. race weekend now. Yeah. While, while we're on that subject, we say it all the time. You know, we end this episode, we end every episode with an if you run, you are our friend. It's a, a phrase that I stole from a golf coach, but we also mean it. We think of you as our friends. We are excited about seeing you at Walt Disney World. And if you see us, we really genuinely 100% want you to come say hi. Also, wear your shirt to the meetup. We're going to have the meetup down at uh, Disney Springs down by the food truck area. Uh, and it's right by Splitsville. Uh, yeah, not, not far. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right by Splitsville, where it's the old magic shop used to be. By the uh, Star Wars but, shop. 
by the Star Wars shop. I can't go in there anymore. I get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> go to the Star Wars shop and uh, wear your shirts there. We have a meet up three o'clock on Saturday uh, down at Disney Springs. So yeah. we, get, we like to get a good group photo with everyone in their shirts. We love it. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hope to see you there. By the way, someone asked on Facebook if there was a charge for the meetup. No, absolutely not. Now, if you want to buy something to drink or eat, that's on you. But no, there's there's no charge for the meetup. And uh, Becky does not charge for her habanero cherry cookies or any other cookies she decides to make for the meetup. We just we just want to see you there. We really mean it. And since we moved it, Alicia doesn't have to buy the margaritas anymore. <laughs> Uh, still on the same general topic, there is, I'll remind you, there's a group chat on our Facebook group page. Go to the community chats. There's a chat for the wine and dine. There's a chat for all the races. But if you're not already a part of that, drop in. If you got questions, that's a great place to get them answered. And if you're new to all of this, we are just two weeks away from the roll call, calling all the names of all the runners at Wine and Dine Weekend. If your name isn't on the race report, let us know and we'll add it so you can be part of the roll call. And with the chats also, uh, I know you guys have a long run coming up for, for Wine and Dine this weekend. You guys are struggling. Reach out in that chat. There's hundreds of people out there to, to cheer you on. Make sure you can get going. Heck yeah. Friends, I got one more thing I want to talk about, uh, not necessarily related to wine and dine, but before we move on, I want to go back to the last couple of episodes we've been talking about Disney on a budget. I wanted to toss out there, there are wonderful military discounts at Walt Disney World. Now, I, I didn't mention it prior because I thought it was kind of limited audience, and I know that it is, but there's a couple things that I know most of you who have a military affiliation know, but not all. One of them is the Shades of Green Hotel. It's typically open to active duty and retirees, just generally speaking. Uh, there's also disabled veterans are also have some access to Shades of Green. But in the months of January and September, it's open to any honorably discharged member of the military. You got to be you got to be quick though those reservations fill up pretty quickly. The second thing is you can sponsor guests at Shades of Green. You can sponsor up to two rooms, I believe it is. It might be three. So you want to look into that shadesofgreen.org is their website. Disney's salute to service room discounts and four or five day park tickets are a wonderful deal. Again, the only downside to those is they get announced and negotiated late in the year. So it's normally about now we hear about what's going to be available for 2024. But that would be available either at the park or at your MWR if you're near a military base. So if they apply to you, don't forget them and don't pass them by. And if you would like to support the podcast, we do have a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash rise and run podcast. And this week we would like to thank um, three of our patrons, Alyssa, 
Cassandra, and Ella. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alicia. And thanks to all of you who support the podcast through Patreon. Friends, taking a look at what's coming up. Episode 109 next week, The Puppet Runner. If you've been to a Disney race, you've seen The Puppet Runner. We get a chance to talk with him next week. Looking forward to that. The week after that is Wine and Nine Week. Yeah. We'll be doing the roll call that I talked about just a moment ago. And we're going to be visiting with a friend of Allie's, Doreen Manning, who did the Great Circle Trail Fest. My friends, it's time now for the race report. This kind of comes under apologies and alibis. I promise, my friends, I spend <laughs> I spend literally hours going through Facebook, going through your messages to make sure that I don't miss anybody in any of the races. And last week, and I do not know how, I left Dawn and Jen out of the report on the Clearwater Rock and Roll Half Marathon. And I'm sorry, my friends. Uh, Dawn and Jen live locally. I knew they were there. I didn't get a chance to see them. I didn't get a chance to see hardly anybody there, but I left them out. And I do apologize for that. I'd blame the uh, Facebook algorithm if I knew what algorithm meant. Let's look at this week's race report. And we start on Friday the 13th with the Halloween Havoc at Dunn Cemetery. 3.75 mile run in Middleburg, Florida. Melissa did this one through the woods in the pitch dark. So many spiders, it freaked her out a little bit. <laughs> but it was fun seeing all the costumes. Melissa says she's a little bit of a scaredy cat, screamed a few times at the people hiding on the trail, but overall <laughs> had a fun time. That sounds good, Melissa. 3.75 miles in new distance, so that's got to be a... In Greensboro, North Carolina, the double barrel challenge started out with the Cannonball 5K, and Mark ran that one along with the follow-up race on Saturday, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, actually, we're going to get to it right now. This is one of the premier long-distance races, 20th anniversary for this run. Not a big race, but a good energetic group. Like we started the 5K Friday night, which goes through a local park. Then on Saturday, they had a 10K, a half, and a full. And if you run both days, it counts for your challenge medal. doesn't matter what distance you run on Saturday. Pretty rainy on Saturday when Mark got started. Uh, just, got a, just got his new Rise and Run shirt, so I'm glad of that. Had no trouble deciding what to wear. They are, they are drip dry. So the fact that it rained, he was okay. He was protected by the rise and run magic. Park opened at 6.30. It was drizzling and then rained the whole morning. Started the same place it, as it did the night before. Threw a nice greenway to another local park where he's done several runs and back. This time, lots of support on the course. Last week, remember, we had a couple races where there were problems with traffic. Not so this time. Great hydration support almost every mile. Impressive, gorgeous course, even in the bad weather. But he enjoyed it. On Saturday now, 
in Baltimore, Maryland, the Baltimore Running Festival. We had several folks there. Ethan and Kelly ran the Baltimoreanathon. That's how it's spelled, <laughs> Baltimoreanathon, uh, which is the 5K and the half together. I didn't make it up. I hope I'm not reading it wrong, but that's the challenge there. Mark was there to run the 5K, as was Scott, and Latia, making her first race report, ran the 10K. Lousy weather. Poured rain the last mile, but Latia PR'd. Way to go. Congratulations. I'm sorry that you got our bad weather. More on that later. More on that later. All right. In Page, Arizona, the Vacation Races Lake Powell Half Marathon, Jen ran that one. This is your buddy, Jen, I believe, Allie. Woohoo! Go, Jen! Because of the anticipated crowds for the eclipse, this turned into a trail race, Jen's first trail race. I forgot about the eclipse going on on the West Coast, and it happened during, there are a couple races that mention the eclipse. It was 44 degrees at the start in Arizona. Gorgeous views. They were actually running during the eclipse, but I think this is cool. They got viewing glasses with their bibs so that they could take a look. How neat is that? That's so cool. That's really Uh, cool. Yeah. Jen ran this one with a friend of almost 20 years named Molly. It was also Molly's first trail race. And Molly's husband, Mike, his first half, first trail race. Mike said, Jen, you and Molly are crazy. I am never doing this again. And he's one and done. So good for you, Jen. Half marathon in Page, Arizona. In Hartford, Connecticut, the Hartford Marathon and Half Marathon. Again, quite a few folks here. Emily was there running the half. Run this one so many times, never disappointed. Heard the two-hour, 50-minute pacers say they were running intervals, so she figured she'd go give it a try. They were great. Got to around mile 10, and the pacers said, hey, if you're feeling good, go for it. So she did. Came in under 245. Good deal. Topped the day off with a few miles before and after, so she got her required training distance in for the Marine Corps Marathon, which is coming up here. Jen was there. Jen ran the 5K. Great time. A wonderful opportunity to run with a close friend and former track teammate from high school. Again, great weather there. Amanda was there. Uh, Christina. Christina was there, ran the half. 30th anniversary run for this event. Again, nice weather. Always great crowd in the neighborhoods of Hartford and West Hartford. Her training in the summer heat and humidity got her a PR by over two minutes in this event. See, we told you. We told you. Training in the summer, it's tough. Training in the summer leads to PRs in the fall. And here's another. Uh, Let's see. Christine had 17 on her training plan. So she finished up at her normal rail trail, complete the rest of her miles. Finally, Rachel was at this event, 
Rachel ran her first half marathon. So... Town number 71 out of the 169 for Rachel. Fantastic experience. She got to wear her Rise and Run shirt, and she got to meet Martinez, who was at this race. Martinez Evans was at the race in Hartford. I'm glad you got to meet him, Rachel. I'm glad he's back out there. I hope he's doing well. In Cincinnati, Ohio, the Queen Bee Half Marathon, our friend Jody from Disney with the Ducks. Finished the Queen Bee Half, five climbs on the course, earned her snout to Stinger medal. What a neat name for doing both Flying Pig in the spring and the Queen Bee here in the early fall. Poured rain walking to the start. If you, I remember the Flying Pig event this year, it almost got canceled. I say, wasn't there like massive flooding on the course or something like that? Yeah, there, yeah. Were, th- there were thunderstorms in the area, and uh, they, uh, yeah, yeah, they had a tough t- time deciding whether to even let it go or not. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. Anyway, luckily on this one, the rain stopped. One the PR she knew it wasn't going to be. Uh, she wasn't really going for it because she also has Marine Corps coming up in two weeks. Nikki was there as was Sarah. Sarah's another snout to stinger runner. Sarah added warm-up miles, so she totaled 15.4 miles for the day. That's her longest run ever. Love to see those training miles uh, grow, guys. That's really awesome. I'm proud of you. Great swag, amazing support, and a fun medal. In Bemidji, Bemidji, Minnesota. I'm saying that right, right, Alicia? Yep, you are. I knew you I knew you wouldn't let me down. Wouldn't let me mess it up. Nope. <laughs> the, B- the Bemidji Blue Ox 26K. A 26K run, guys. Do we smell PRs? Let's see. Beth was there. First race in her new walking career. Beth is seven weeks out of back surgery, covered the 15.6-mile distance in less than three hours. That's a great walking pace, Beth. Proud of you. Stick with it. You can do it. The walking helps. You will get there. Baby steps, my friend. Melissa with her friend Kathy, both of them doing their longest runs to date. So for both of them, a PR. (laughs) Wonderful morning run around the lake. Well-organized event. Enjoyed running with everyone. The character stop at the Bemidji Blue Ox 26K, as it should be, Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. In Lower Gwynwood, Pennsylvania, Springhouse to be specific, the tapping of the Great Pumpkin 5K. Brianna was there. No report from Brianna. I think she was busy dancing on her own. In Greensboro, again, the second half, uh, Mark finished the double barrel challenge. We talked about that before. It was a big race weekend in Detroit, Michigan. It started on Saturday with the Detroit Free Press 1 Mile and 5K. Christy was there running the challenge. We'll hear more about Christy in a little bit on Sunday. 
cold and rainy, wind blowing over the river. Chrissy wanted to talk about her son, Isaac. I think this is really cool. Uh, Isaac's been running the kids' fun run since he was first eligible. You got to be four to be eligible to do it. The first time he did it actually occurred on his fourth birthday, so that's pretty neat. But this is this is neat. They added a kids' marathon, and the way it worked was the children had an allotted period of time leading up to the event to run the first 25.2 miles on their own virtually. So when they got to the kids' mile, they ran the mile to finish up the 26.2 miles and they got their kids' marathon medal. Pretty cool. Christy ran the 5K on Saturday, as did Lisa. Patrick was in Atlanta for the ATL, the mayor's 5K on the fifth runway at the Atlanta airport. This thing started pretty early, started at 6.30 a.m., so they could reopen the runway. Atlanta is a pretty busy airport. Uh, 6.30, one of the fire trucks sounded the alarm, started the race. It was a big rectangle. You went down a taxiway, turned onto the runway, off the runway, back onto the taxiway, and then back to the finish. Delta was one of the sponsors there. Actually had one of their 767s parked on the taxiway near the turn, so the runners passed by it. Tons of fun. Looks forward to running it again next year. By the way, Patrick's first 5K was, of course, a PR. Congratulations. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the Myrtle Beach Mini Marathon. Mary Beth. About this time last year, she was prepping for her very first half at Princess 2023. Wasn't quite sure that she could do it. Now, here she is finishing her fourth half marathon of the year. That's fantastic. Very cold and rainy at the start in South Carolina. Cleaned up, cleared up for a little bit, then around miles 6 to 11, nothing but a downpour and the wind right in their face and wet socks and yuck. You got to just embrace the suck and keep going. Spectators, runners after the race. This was one of her absolute favorite races to date, even with all that mess. She mentioned that at the end, there was kind of a ceremony for a make-a-wish kid getting his wish, which, not surprisingly, was to go to Disney World. In beautiful Long Beach, California, at the Aquarium of the Pacific, another weekend event here started with a 5K. Jackie ran this one. Beautiful weather, great course. The end, they got to actually run through the aquarium. I got I was there once years ago. That's just a gorgeous location. Uh, glad you enjoyed that, Jackie. In Windermere, Florida, the Windermere Run Amongst the Lakes 10K. Jared ran that one. Orlando, Jody ran the Lady Track Shack 5K. Great ladies running event for an amazing cause. They raised about $20,000 for the Advent Health Breast Cancer Care Fund. Uh, she says that she wasn't really feeling it the morning of the race, but she got out there and did it, got the beautiful medals and a 
post-race plant. They had a VIP post-race party for an extra cost. It looked amazing. She'll definitely keep that in mind from last year. Finished in just over 30 minutes. That's a really solid time for a 5K. Jody, good job. In Gilman, Illinois, the Schnauzer Shuffle 5K. I'm not going to try to say that three times real fast. I'll stick with just the one. Caitlin was there. Put on by the local vet clinic. That makes sense. Might have been more four-legged participants than there were runners. Typical small-town fashion. Had a fire truck leading the runners through both laps, two-lap course. Very happy with her time. Sub-25 minutes, an outstanding time, and a PR. And because she ran so fast, she finished before the rain started. Windy and chilly, good race for a good cause. Way to go, Caitlin. Louisville, Kentucky, the Urban Bourbon Half Marathon. Jay was there. This is one I've talked about before, but never run myself. I was going to say, if there's a race designed for Bob, this is it. You'd think so. Uh, Matter of fact, Greg, though, Jay put up a photo he took just for you. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yes. I think it would have been a a perfect piece of art if it said power line, but the fact that it had Max on there, that, that, that was good enough for me. That counts for something. Thanks for that, Jay. Hope you enjoyed the run. Richmond Hills, Georgia, the Hartwood run for the Hills 5k. Melissa, Melissa's back from an injury. We have a couple folks back from an injury. I'm proud of you guys. Wanted to test out 1530 in a race setting. Good for you. First mile's a little tough, but the first mile lies. It's always the hardest. You settled in. She had plenty in the tank at the finish line. That's what you're looking for, especially coming back off of an injury. To finish feeling strong and ready to do some more. Jack, she wore her Ted Lasso Be a Goldfish socks. Kept telling herself to focus on this 15-second run. Not worry about the last one. Jack, do you have Ted Lasso be a goldfish socks? I need them in my you life, do. of course. You do. <laughs> you do. Talk to Melissa when you see her. Hopefully we'll see. I, I didn't check to see if she's coming to wine and dine. Come and but say hope- hi to me and tell me where you got them. Yeah. All my <laughs> friends are. Uh, Linda ran an event called the Day of the Dead themed race festival. I couldn't figure out where this one was. That's okay. It's her second 5K ever. Her daughter joined in. Uh, Her daughter placed third in her age group. Linda placed fourth in hers. What a great day. It had to be out west because the eclipse happened between running events out there. So glad you enjoyed it. Back to Connecticut. Run the Cove 5K. Sue. Sue. Sue's last race in this particular age decade, and she still plays third in her age group. That's tough to do. I'm telling you, as you get older, it gets tougher to do that. If you're between 20 and 29, is not a big deal. But as you get a little older, it's tough. So being at the absolute long end of your age group and finishing third, I think that's a great job. Another great time. Super happy. This is town number 142. Sue keeps clicking them off. 142 out of 169. Awesome. Adanya did the Claremont Corn 5K in Claremont, Florida. Great weather. 
wearing her Rise and Run shirt. She ran this one with some corny guy. And if you see the photos, you know what I mean. There's a young fellow with her who's got a corn outfit on. Looks really cool. Nashville, Tennessee, the Shelby Bottoms boogie. Adrian. Adrian decided to go ahead and do this one. Definitely got to boost the confidence that she needed. A small race, only 75 people in the 5K. But she came in first in her age group. Outstanding. And sub 30. Again, a sub 30 in a 5K, sub 60 in a 10K. Significant accomplishments. She said she felt too shy to ring the PR bill. But we can ring it for her, right? Absolutely. Congratulations, Adrian. Norlands, Louisiana. The Oktoberfest 6K. Steve and her husband ran that one. They almost always run this Oktoberfest race. This year, the course had a horsepower challenge where they ran about a mile around a local horse racing track, which they used as a magic mile. Great to finish with their finish line beers and entry into the Oktoberfest celebration, which was included with the race bibs. This is practice not only for the wine and dine run, but for the wine and dine after party. Very smart to practice for the party. Phoebe, way to go. Our buddy Joe ran the Yale to Ork 10K in Arkansas. Really small race along the Mulberry River. Across the Mulberry River would probably be more interesting, but you'd get wet socks and we don't want that. They You get bussed from the Orc School out to the start line and you run back to the school. Joe placed second overall among all walkers. Then had lunch at the Orc General Store and Cafe, which is famous for being one of the best cafes in Arkansas. So if you ever find yourself in Orc, Arkansas, head to the Orc Cafe. And he had that possum pie there. Yes, he did. I didn't even know what that was, but Joe had it. And that's great. Well, let's round out Saturday. The Amelia Island Lighthouse Loop 5K, part of a challenge. Alley without an E. The original Alley without an E did this one. Uh, race started at 5 p.m., which ended up being the warmest part of the whole day. I've done that race. It's fun. It is warm, though. It is extremely warm, but the beach is, like, right there. Allie says for Florida, it was kind of hilly. Did you find it hilly? Yeah, in my video on Passport to Run, I was like, oh, wow, this is really hilly. That <laughs> me. I thought the whole course was supposed to be flat. <laughs> yeah, it's Florida. You'd think so. But she did it. She did it with a friend, and the miles flew by. Let's get to the weekend. I'm going to start in England where our buddy Rob, who's, I think Rob's had some injury troubles, but he's definitely getting himself back. He did two halves, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. The Saturday was in Victoria Park, Sunday in Richmond. Rob says after DNFing for the first time ever last week at a marathon, he finished both these halves at right around one hour and 37 minutes. That's smoking, and I think that's a great recovery. 
we're glad you're back, Rob. Way to go. Uh, 30 degrees cooler this week than it was the weekend before when he DNF'd in the marathon. Let's go to Brookline, New Hampshire, and talk about the Ghost Train Trail Races. Kent was there. Kent did the uh, 30-hour ultra, and he left us this race report. This is Kent Smith from Prairie Hall, Maryland. And here's my race report from the Ghost Train Royal Trail Races in Brookline, New Hampshire. After running 75.4 miles in my 24-hour race last year, I wanted to see whether I could run 100 this year. The course is as many 15-mile up and back as you can do, with a 10-miler at the end for those running 100. After a bad initial forecast, it would have been hard to have a better day and night. Temps from 40 to lower 50s with no rain. For all our friends still in Baltimore, sorry. The support from the race director, volunteers, and runners was amazing, and everything was decked out with a Halloween theme. I finished 100 miles in 27 hours and 31 minutes, one of 71 people to get a belt buckle running for at least 100 miles. I ran using 30-30 intervals almost the entire time, which definitely maintained my paces in the later miles. I felt really good until I developed back spasms on my drive home. 200 miles like that, ouch. Went to the doctor and didn't see anything else. My legs feel pretty good, all things considered. There's one person I especially want to thank, and that is our co-host, Allie. She was the second person to tell me about the race last year. And with me being a New Hampshire native, uh, though I moved away many decades ago, it felt great to have this achievement there. I signed up for the race in January, but with it being in uh, October, the racing in October, right after the budget deadline, I was afraid for a while that I couldn't run the race because I can't take leave when the government shuts down. What Allie doesn't know is that in June, I was going to cancel my registration, but that was the same day Rise and Run started a feature on Instagram for their favorite non-Disney races, and Allie picked Ghost Train. That was my sign to go through the stress of will they, won't they, and with the federal government not shutting down on October 1 after all, I was able to rest before running the race. So while there are many people I can thank for getting me across the finish line, I thank Allie for getting me to the start line. And congratulations, Ms. Ultra Runner. I'm so proud of you. Kent, I'm really so proud of you, and it was really awesome to see you out on the trail. As you mentioned, it is a 15-mile out and back, so we got to pass each other quite a few times, and I got to see how you were doing throughout the race, and and it was just really great to see you squashing your goals. See what I did there? I made a pumpkin pun. (laughs) Very good. Very good. My experience was... um, very different than yours because I wasn't going for a hundred miles, but I was going for my own personal goal. My goal was to do a 50K. Um, and I sort of knew in the back of my mind that I may not be able to accomplish that. So I kept it under my hat and I didn't really talk about it a whole lot. And I don't even think my husband really knew I was going to an ultra when I left <laughs> for that day because I, I, kind of Love that. <laughs> woke him up a little bit and I said, honey, I'm going to go run fif- between 15 and 30 miles. And he went, okay, have a nice day. And then, <laughs> and then I went off and I, in the back of my mind, I, I knew it, I'd had a hard training season and I, I knew it was a very real possibility. I even told coach Chris Twiggs, you know, I'm probably going to, I'm just going to use it as a catered training run and I'm just going to do 15 today and I'm going to run 
seven and a half tomorrow back to back and we'll just see how that goes. And I felt really good. I, I went out in the afternoon. So the race started at 9 a.m. I decided since I'm I'm on my goals only 15, I'm just going to start, you know, sometime at 3 p.m. Because running the trails during the day, during the beautiful fall foliage mm. and the gorgeous weather that we had, again, I'm so sorry, Baltimore, that you got the rain and we didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah. it was it was a great race temperature for the ultra and just the no rain was so wonderful. And I felt like, man, this is, this is the opportunity. I feel good. The weather's perfect. The food was great. Um, and so I was just like, I'm just going to keep going. So Paula and I, Paula from the run dopey group was there. Right. She, she was working on her second round when I arrived there. So she was going to go, she was going to do 30. I was going to do 15. We both sort of looked at each other and said, like, let's let's just do one more. So so she went out for 45 and I went out for my 30. And we crushed it. We just had fun. We were taking photos. We were goofing off. We were um, enjoying all the Halloween decorations, like Kent had said. They have um, beautiful pumpkins down their pumpkin alley. And I knew I wanted to run at night. So that's why I started a little later because I thought I was just doing 15. When I added the extra 15 on, I ended up reaching my, I ended up reaching, becoming an ultra marathoner at 2.59 a.m. <laughs> Very on nice. Sunday morning. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty awesome. And Paula and I were joking around because we were calling it the 30-hour buffet because they have <laughs> the best race support I have ever seen in my life. Great. You want to talk about the best food possible. They had every kind of roll up. They had an entire table of vegan food. They had an entire table of gluten-free food. They had um, sweet potato casserole. They had four kinds of different potatoes to eat. They had wraps that were turkey roll ups, peanut butter and jelly. They had hummus roll ups, guacamole roll ups. They had apple crisp, blueberry crisp. They had mac mm. and cheese. They had quesadillas. They had grilled cheese, both vegan and regular grilled cheese. Every kind of candy that you could possibly want. Cookies. like the, It literally was five large banquet tables at every aid station of food that you could possibly want. So it was like the best race support ever. And I found out that I would really love it if other races could do this because I love running on real food. Eating real food yeah. during yes. a race was awesome. Yes. Um, my experience was really, really great. And I, I am so proud that I was able to accomplish this. I am definitely a one and done for this. I am not going to be like our guest this what? week and start doing like no, no, no. <laughs> gateway to a 50 miler and gateway to a hundred miler. I will crew your race. I will run some miles with you to pace it. But I don't know. I don't know that I'll ever do another one. Jack, you're, you have your hand up the whole time never, sort of wagging your finger at me. <laughs> never say never because a lot of times you, you like I was I remember when I did a marathon, I was like, oh, I ain't doing it again. And then I did. And then just kind of, you know, it just happens. I'm so freaking proud of you, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> I had no clue you were going to go for 30 because you had been like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to run 15. And then you message us in our group. And I'm like, wait, she just said she did an ultra. I'm an ultra runner. What? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, th th this is the second time in 2023 that Allie has pulled the wool over our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> the, fir the first one was, 
oh, I'm not I'm not going to do the marathon this year. I'm just going to run the half, you know, in 2024, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Then she signs up for Goofy. Yeah. And now this, you know, you know, uh, this is just going to be 15 miles. My training has been great. And then three o'clock in the morning, she lets us know that that she's an <laughs> ultra marathoner. But yeah. I will say, you know, just like Jack said, Allie. I am so immensely proud of you. It, it what an, an amazing accomplishment! And I got to say, looking at your photos and videos, your finish line moment is like textbook alley, and I love it because you were so strong coming up to that that time you met, and then you just did this cute little hop over the, the over the mat. And then like, ta-da, I did it. And then you're like, you're done. And I, I just, it, it puts such a huge <laughs> smile on my face. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. I do have one more thing that I want to say too, is that I met a really awesome person at Ghost Train. As you meet, you know, in trail running, you chit chat with everyone at the aid stations. And um, one, one shout out to Lisa, who lent me her, um, what do you call it? Headlamp headlamp because I didn't bring a headlamp with me because why would I need a headlamp during a night race for the second year in a row? Right. I mean, at least I'm consistent. Um, Mm -hmm. And thank you, Lisa, so much for lending me your headlamp. And I was wearing my rise and run shirt. And Lisa came up to me and said, I listened to that podcast. This is after I had already, we'd already been chit chatting and she'd already lent me your headlamp. And, and Paula was like, well, this is Allie on the podcast. And she was like, oh, I didn't put two and two together. You're Allie. I get it. So it was really it was really cool to meet her. We took selfies together. I, I posted when I posted my my, you know, my Instagram stories about it. I put you in there, Lisa. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you for for saying hi and thank you for being is, so Is sweet. she the official secretary now of the Allie fan club? I mean, I think she likes me okay. I don't know that she's <laughs> in the fan club. She, tol- she tolerated me hugging her. So, no. Yeah, nice. I know it was great. Nice. Thank you guys. Thanks to everybody who who really helped me along the way. I really appreciate it. Everybody who texted, all the people from the Run Dopey group, Laura, especially too, for telling me I could do this, and you guys for always being my biggest supporters. Absolutely, Absolutely. we're proud I'm of proud you. Proud of you. Oh, thanks. But I'm going to add that. 30 miles is just about a 50K, and we all know that the 50K is the gateway distance. Yep, and so. I did th- I did do the 31. I will just say that after I stomped that like finish line, Matt, I went and ran another mile just because you can't. If you're doing 30, yep. you have to do 31. It's just, just like- so you can get we, the 50K? Yeah, when we have a three-mile run, we always have to do 3.1. If you have a six-mile run, you have to do 6.2. So I made it to 50K. (laughs) All right. All right. We're proud of you. We're proud of you too, Kent. Congratulations on knocking out that 100 mile. That's a big deal. And I'm I'm glad your back is not a serious injury. And I hope you're feeling better real soon. Oh, and we get PR bells. That's right. Bodias. Yeah. Let us continue now and go to Sunday. And start in Detroit, Michigan. Big event in Detroit this weekend on Sunday. The Detroit Free Press International Half Marathon and the Detroit Free Press International Marathon. And joining us in the Race Report Spotlight, a marathon finisher, 
our friend Jeanette. Jeanette, hi. Thanks for joining. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're glad you're here. Gosh, this is a neat event. I've not run it, but I hear great things about it. I see you're wearing your lovely finisher's medal, which looks great. And it has the ribbon, has part of the Canadian flag on one half and part of a U.S. flag on another. So that's pretty cool. Jeanette, I really want to talk about the race, but since you're here, let's start asking about you a little bit. When did you get started running? I was in sports as a kid. So I did soccer through most of my school years and I was never fast or good. And then when I started running just because organized sports didn't fit into my schedule during college and then uh, rest of med school, I would just run to do something and stay healthy. And I realized when you're allowed to do things at your own pace and your own race, it's a lot more fun. So um, my first actual race was just out of college and I didn't train. I didn't know what I was doing. A friend just said, hey, let's go run a half marathon. And I thought, okay. <laughs> So I would just, oh, that's easy, right? Yeah, 13 miles. Psh, what the heck? Work all day and then just go run around the city at night and do some, you know, miles in. I had no watch, no gear, no training. I just had a pair of shoes and, you know, a few hours. So I went, I ran that race. I felt terrible. I finished. Uh, what is it? Coach Chris says, don't puke at the end. Unfortunately, that one I did. And I walked right. home. Oh, that no. was. That was that one. And then it was not glorious. So about a decade later, uh, my husband and I decided we wanted to do something to, you know, spend time together, get healthy again together. So we trained in 2017. That was our half marathon. That was my second and then his first. I would do, you know, 5Ks and 10Ks and fun stuff just around, you know, fundraisers and all that for charity races and, and events wherever I happened to be living at the time. But our reintroduction to actual distance racing was 2017, and it was with the International Half in Detroit. Oh, okay. Very good. So, so you're a veteran. Yep. I've run this That's a cool. few times. How about Disney? When did you start at Disney, and what's your last one you did So there? Disney for me was princess of this year. Um, yeah, because my mom is – she snowbirds Michigan and Florida. And when down in Florida, she got – uh, in touch with the girls on the run there because she used to be involved with them up here in Michigan. So the girls on the run Central Florida, they had a spot open. And my mom, who she actually was a runner, unlike me, who wasn't, you know, I just run for the heck of it. Um, she was a runner when she was younger and but had never done races or distance running. And she said, I just signed up for this half marathon. And she informed my husband and I, you're going to do it with me. <laughs> so uh, we were charity runners for girls on the run. And I had never even heard of Disney running or races. I didn't know this was a thing. And so I got involved in the Facebook group and everyone kept pointing me to this podcast called Rise and Run. You might have yeah. heard of it. So I, have. I didn't know how people trained and everyone goes, oh, your costumes. I said, people wear costumes <laughs> to run. And so I started listening to y'all's podcast, which thank you. Very informative, very helpful, by the way, not just for prepping myself to be up really, really early, but yes, indeed. Sort of the spirit behind, you know, the race weekend and PRing and fun and everything. So yeah, it was, it was nice to have as a, a prep. So that for a lot of my training runs leading up to princess this year, you guys were my running buddies. You just didn't know it. 
Neat. Yeah. Now we're we are proud and pleased to be along for the run. I promise you. Speaking of costumes, my wig for uh, Wine and Dine arrived today. I should have brought it. I do. Right. <laughs> Let's move along. Let's move along. Yeah, you'll see it if you're going to be there. Um, so let's talk about the Detroit Free Press International Marathon. It was, what is this your first marathon or have you done others before? I've done this marathon before. Okay. So this is your second time. Mm-hmm. For a while, because of COVID, this one was a... I don't know if it even was a marathon. It was restricted just to the U.S. side for a while. They actually switched up the route because of that. And then when they went back to international last year, they incorporated pieces when they had to when they had to reroute it for all U.S. side. They incorporated pieces of that new route that people liked wow. and had given feedback for. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Let's uh, let's start before I frequently ask at big events like this, was there much of an expo? Yeah, they actually have a fairly good expo. Um, the main hall that they do, I think it's called Huntington's now. It used to be Kobo. I swear they changed the name more <laughs> than I can remember, but um, it's downtown and they do a lot, really good communication ahead of time. So um, it opens on the Friday and Saturday because there's actually Saturday races. This is a whole race weekend and they do challenges yeah, right. and all that. Um, so, and this is the first year I've ever gone to the expo on the first day at opening. I usually just sort of wander in on a Saturday, pick up my bib, grab a whole bunch of merch and skedaddle. But this time, cause of some time constraints, I had to actually be there at opening and oh my goodness, that line, it was just everyone was oh, there yeah. and ready. And yeah, yeah, it was, there's, there's a lot of energy. Um, this particular race, they do race ambassadors. So all year long. They have people who aren't just community members, like volunteers that run, and they sort of um, support a lot of the social media. They do runs around the area and just a way to have people involved from the community sort of training all year. Um, But they're usually there volunteering. There's a whole bunch of people that are just active in the social media that are there kind of either volunteering or at the different booths that they work. So it's, it's a good kind of energy even before any of the racing starts is the expo um it's usually pretty seamless to get your bib and when you because it's international you actually have to have whatever your id is that you're going to be running with so whether it's your passport or your you know identification card because if you live in michigan or maybe new york some of the border states you can actually have your um id just your enhanced license that will let you get across the border. So, but whatever you're going to carry with you on race day as your um, proof of identification, you, that's how you pick up your bib if you're international. So, okay. Well, let's talk about the race itself. Starts in Detroit. Then how does it go? So you go down um, along Fort Street and then you loop onto um, the ramp to get onto the bridge because they close, um, I think, three of the four lanes of the bridge. Um, so you're running and you run right up the ambassador bridge and timing, they try and have it where it's right around sunrise. We had a fair amount of overcast and cloud, um, this year, but you could see some of the color change of the sky behind it. So, but that's, that's a big deal for our, a lot of people is to kind of be sunrise or early, you know, yeah, sky change on the bridge. So that's pretty cool. And then you come over um, into the Canadian side and you run along, um, the riverfront there. So along the Detroit river, they've got a park and some neighborhoods and you're running through there and the crowd support is amazing through this whole race. But 
the Canadians showed up this year. <laughs> they And every year Very there's always good. amazing support, but people were just energetic. And it's both the people who are volunteering directly for the race and just other people who that's their neighborhood, that's their community. They come out with signs. A lot of dogs. So many people had pets. So <laughs> How about that? We had a lot of characters if you wanted character stops, but everyone's got their pets out. And then oh, you run through um, the Canadian side, you come back and you enter the tunnel. So you actually come yeah. through the tunnel, which is a little bit muggy, a little bit humid, but that that's pretty cool. And at the international borderline that's underwater, so it's almost a mile and they call it the underwater mile. So I think it's the only race that I know of that you, yeah. So they're actually, there are shirts if you want it that say underwater mile, but they actually have on the wall is the Canadian and the U.S. flag at the part where you're underwater at the international line. So a lot of people will stop and do their photo op there and then keep running. And then you make it back to the U.S. side. And this is both the full marathon and the international half. They're the same course the whole way here through the Canadian side. When you make it back to the U.S., I think we split off. It's like around mile 10 or 11. And then the international half marathon finishes out their race and then the full continues on. And this is the part that changed um, from what it was previously because they added a little bit more of some of the Detroit neighborhoods. So it incorporates some of the other stuff kind of right um, in in that section of Detroit where you come off. And it, it was interesting because there's a lot of the crowd support, a lot of the race support for the section that's both the half that shares the race course with the full. When the full splits off, you're running through a little bit quieter neighborhoods. Every single water station that you are at is amazing support. The volunteers are phenomenal. They are cheering you on if your name's on your bib, even if it's not, you know, they're just not just handing water. They're like doing your mental check-in. They're your cheerleaders. And it's, it's amazing. Um, and then some of the neighborhoods that know about the race because they've had it in their neighborhood before they kind of show up and they've got their snacks and their bonfires and their dogs and their parties and <laughs> they're out there having kind of like little mini block parties um, yeah so some of the parts that they incorporated when they changed the route because of COVID and having to reroute it so they do Dequindercut, which is like a shared use pathway where it's like biking and walking and jogging um, and that's fun because they have a whole cheering section that just goes down into this area because there's no cars. It's just a, a section it's like mile 18 to 19. And that's fun because it's everyone that's just down there cheering you on and, and having a party. And then it it was phenomenal. And then you hit mile like 19 to, I don't know, 26. And you're just in the race going, OK, I'm questioning life choices. I'm glad I did this. <laughs> I'm really glad I did this. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, those are the top ones. Yeah. Though they did get rid of Belle Isle, which used to be incorporated. That's an island in the Detroit River where you got used to have to run over the bridge onto the island and back. But I'm personally glad it's gone. I know a lot of people are because it was just so windy and there's not a ton of people out there because they block off the road. So no cars can drive over. So people would have to commit to being over there with their signs and their cheering. So, yeah. So I'm so not be quiet over there. That's gone. <laughs> yeah. But. Jeanette, sounds like a great event. Um, glad you did it. Glad you had fun. Glad it's back to its full glory. What's next? So right now I'm training for Dopey. This will be okay. Yeah, first Dopey, I got suckered in with Princess. And then when they gave me that uh, email that says, would you like to run Dopey? I thought, well, I've run marathons before. 
could probably do that. Um, so my mom, who just, this was her first marathon. She ran it with me for Detroit. She also, oh, yeah, wow. her first dopey, my first dopey. So, um, and then next on the calendar for me, I'll probably throw in a few of the shorter races in there, but I signed up for my first ultra and that's for April here in Michigan in the thumb. What distance are you running the ultra? That'll be a 50 K. 50 K. Yeah. Yeah. That's the starter drug. You know that. Yep, that's, the, that's the gate. That's the gateway drug. The 50 K. Well, and they say dopey's what? 40, what is it? 48 points. 48.6. Yeah. So I mean, just a few more miles in. But you get four days to do it. I know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see if I'm still smiling after dopey because dopey's January. And then I have till April to question my next life choices. Yeah. On a 50 K is actually less than that in miles. 50 K is what? About 30, 30, 31. 31. 31, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 5K is three miles, 3.1. Yeah, so so yeah. yeah. Just want to ask about the uh, process. So you have to show your ID to pick up your bib, you said, right? Do they check that? So do they check you at the border? So, like, do they check you anywhere or how does that work? When you sign up, you have to put in, so like when I signed up for the race, you have to put in your passport number because I ran with my passport. Or if you were running with some other form of okay to cross a border ID, you have to register with that. When you go to pick up your bib, they actually have border security agents there. So you're picking up from a volunteer, but they also have people there and they check your ID and that's how you get your bib. So when you run the race, your bib counts as your sort of I'm okay to cross, but you have to run with ever your whatever your documentation is. So a lot of us put it in a Ziploc baggie and put it in your pocket or your flip belt or whatever you're running with. Um, because if for some reason you do get pulled because either they can't see your bib or it's covered by a jacket or anything like that, then they need to verify you are who you say you are and you're okay to cross. Um, and every year if someone gets pulled, it's usually cause the bib is just, cause it's cold and windy to start almost every year. A lot of people will have throwaway layers on, but there are so many border agents leading up to the bridge and there are volunteers and border agents that if they can't, they will be calling you out. Like, we need to see your bib. We need to see your bib. And they'll ask you if, you know, to, to lift up your outer layer, if you've got it on a throwaway layer. And when you are actually going into the part that enters the bib, if they can't see it, they'll kind of signal you from the side or call you out. So as long as they can see your bib, you don't have to get stopped or show anything. But if for some reason they can't see it, then they'll pull you to the side and, and verify. That's cool. Interesting. Interesting. Again, great event. Glad you had fun. Yeah. Congratulations to mom too. By yeah. The way. Yeah. She did great. What's, what's mom's name? Louise. Louise. Nice job, Louise. Way to go. Louise said a PR, didn't she? She did because first marathon PR. First marathon. Louise, this bell is for you. <laughs> Jeanette, thanks so much. Ah, we look forward to seeing you in January. Likewise. And hopefully you guys have fun at uh, all of your races between now and then. Great job, Jeanette. Now, we had other runners in Detroit. Let's start with the half. Bethany. Bethany did half number 12, her first race back since hip bursitis. We had a couple folks coming back from injuries. I think we've already talked about one. Uh Bethany almost deferred, but then a coworker signed up and said, Hey, you're walking it with me. And so she did. Uh, slowest PR, but who cares? Finished at a 1452 pace, a very respectable walking pace for a half marathon. Christy, who did the 5K on Saturday, 
did the half marathon here. Back in December, Christy broke her ankle, a serious ankle fracture, required surgery and screws. And uh, gosh, uh, the weather was great. Crowd support was great. She loved the VIP treatment from the Run Detroit group. Gave her a warm place to hang out before the race. Checked all the gear she wanted, lots of last-minute things. Got to use real bathrooms. Wasn't her best finish time, but that wasn't the goal. And I, 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 I'm feeling you, Christy. I really am. Only broken into tears at the finish line of two races. The Disney Marathon in 2020, first ever marathon, first dopey. And at the end of the half today, when you can look back and go, I'm back. I'm back. I've suffered through this. And I've now finished a half. And Oh, golly. I'm proud of you. What a great feeling. Congratulations. Brian was there. Now, I got a note that Brian was there and finished the full, although I've got his name under the half. But Brian, congratulations. <laughs> Glad you finished. Lori was there. Lori's been having some great runs lately. Uh, Lori says running over the Ambassador Vision to Canada never gets old. Uh, then running underwater, as uh, Jeanette described, was really cool. The crowd support was amazing on both sides. This was Lori's third half in three weeks. I knew Lori's been killing it. I didn't realize it was three in three weeks. And she got interviewed on the course by a Canadian news crew. Well, good for you. Did you did you tell them about the podcast, Lori? <laughs> I don't know. Do they get us in Canada? That's a joke. I know they get us in Canada. All right. Renee was there for the half also. Also finishing the marathon, Riley finished state number 26 in her goal to do 50 marathons in 50 states. Lifetime marathon number 28 overall for Riley. Uh, realized around mile 24 that a sub-5 sub hour marathon was a real possibility. Then booked it, managed to pull off her first ever negative split for the marathon and her second sub five hour finish our friend heather was scheduled to run this one but uh actually to roll this one but heather got ill after the chicago marathon last week so she had to miss this one in bar harbor maine i know ali i'm mispronouncing it but we'll get to that in a minute the mount desert island marathon madge was there yeah madge yeah mount desert island uh, home to Acadia National Park, a gorgeous place. It's been many, many years since I was there, but it's beautiful. Perfect for running, perfect weather. Started with a jacket, took it off after the first few miles. Fall foliage. I miss fall foliage. I do not miss cold weather, but I do miss the fall foliage. It's beautiful. Not quite at peak. Uh, hilly race for a marathon. Highest point on the course comes at mile 25. That's uh, not a good place. But anyway, it was there. Surprised when she realized that she ended up, this ended up being her second fastest marathon, only missing a PR by two minutes. And her old record was on a flat course. So really great event for you, Madge. Congratulations. Great event. Beautiful. 
And now to correct my previous error, Madge points out her spelling that you can head into Bahaba after the race and celebrate with some lobster. <laughs> Good one, Madge. It's Good true. job, Madge. Yep. Completing the race weekend in Amelia Island, the Zoom, Zoom Amelia Island half. Uh, Ellie was there. She was running the challenge. This is half 42 for Ellie. Woot, woot. Yeah, finished upright. Had a little trouble, but she did finish upright across the finish line. Gorgeous weather. Got her miles in. Uh, she needs to review, take a look at, as some of us do from time to time, how you're handling nutrition, electrolytes, etc. Because, again, had a little trouble on the course, but she's okay there. Now, she had some trouble with her right knee. She's going to have that checked out by the doc. I hope that's okay. Uh, summarizes by saying, all in all, it was a great day. But I uh, haven't heard how that knee thing worked out. Again, Allie without an E was there. The race itself was great. Would definitely do it again. Missed the PR by just eight seconds. But Allie also has been battling some injuries, so it's great to be running again. Ryan. Ryan was pacing this one. Able to help a small group of people achieve their goals. And I, I saw the finish times. He did great. He was pacing the 315 group, finished in 315.01, and I saw he had two or three other folks right there, either at 01 or 02. That's the way to do it. Well done. Uh, one of these people was a first-time half-marathon finisher. That's great. Feels great to give back to the support that Ryan says he's gotten so much from. Way to go. Congratulations, everybody at Zuma Amelia Island. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Penguins 6.6K run and family walk. Andrew was there, ended up being a perfect morning for a run after a threat of getting completely washed out. Andrew hit a PR on this race by 42 seconds. Hit the bell. Jackie was there. Jackie's there every year for this race with her running club. Finished also. Way to go. The Snohomish River Run, and I forgot to write down where Snohomish is. I think it's out west, but I'm not sure. Heather was there. She did the half, 65 degrees, a little humid, nice, easy, flat run with some cow pie scents along the way that helped her run a little faster so she could get away from where the cow pie scents were. Uh, Josh and Kimberly were there. Josh did the half plus four miles to stick with his training plan. Kimberly finished the full marathon, full marathon number eight. Vanessa ran this beautiful course through farm country. Also noting that she saw lots of cows and horses. Pretty flat course, a couple minor climbs. The marathon started at sunrise, which was beautiful. And not a lot of race support on the route. Route was a little confusing, but she found the finish line, which is really important and overall thought it was great. I, I got to know though, what is a worse smell? A cow pie or the sewage treatment plant during the marathon in Disney World? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I never have too much trouble with that at Disney World. I, I mean, it's there, but with that fake citrus smell they try to put in front of it so it doesn't smell yeah, that Yeah, but they bad. don't put it until the end. They need to start a lot sooner. I know. I, know. 
well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But if we could get to Snohomish, maybe we could find out. There we go. Back out in Long Beach, Jackie finished up her weekend there with the half marathon, Long Beach half marathon, beautiful course around Long Beach Harbor, pretty area. Along the beach, great course support, amazing crowd support, warm, but she set a PR. Now, her last PR was seven years ago, the 2016 Avengers run. This half marathon was one hour and 11 seconds faster than that one. Jackie, that's great. Way to go. You've been training. That's fantastic. PR. In Lackawanna, New York, the Monster Scramble 10K, Amy did this last-minute addition to her race calendar. The course runs its way through a local cemetery where her stepfather, the original runner in her family, was buried. And so she knew she just had to do this one. Two-lap course for the... Yeah, isn't that neat? Two-lap course for the 10Kers, also a 5K. uh, Small race. Great setting for an early Sunday morning run. Good job, Amy. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, the Grand Rapids half bill did this one. Furthest he has ever run. 42 degrees at the start. Kept his run-walk strategy. He was doing 35-30. Very happy finished at 2 hours and 41 minutes. And a PR. His wife and two daughters aged 8. And 11 ran the Run Through the Rapids 5K, which merges with the Grand Rapids Marathon. This was their third 5K this summer. Didn't quite hit their PRs, but they had a good time. Fort Worth, Texas, the Spooky Sprint 1 Mile 5K, 10K. Another alley without a knee, not the original, but this is also an alley without a knee. Didn't oversleep this time. That's good. Got to the course uh, without having to rush to the start. There's a story for that one. Because yeah, there is. A, do you remember? <laughs> we don't know it, if it was a story. No, oh, I know. I know she told us. I know she told us. I know she did. And I I didn't have time to go look it up and I can't recall it. But I remember Okay. it was, and it was one of those things where in the race report, we had a couple people had trouble getting to the That's start. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And Allie was one of them. But not this time. She used this race to cater training run, managed to get a PR in the half. And first place in her age group. Outstanding, Allie. Good job. See what happens when you set your alarm? <laughs> Good job. Topsfield, Massachusetts, the fall foliage classic. Rachel and her husband ran the five-miler here. This was a 5K and a five-miler. Started at the same time. Merged back together at the end. Rachel says that she's pretty sure they were almost dead last out of everybody because they did the five-miler, but they managed to sprint ahead of two ladies at the end who were meandering through the 5K. But look, you know what? They finished this thing in just a little over 55 minutes, so that's just about an 11-minute mile and a PR for them because it was their first five-mile race. But you know that's that's a fast crowd because eleven minutes a mile is that's a reasonable pace for a five miler, not one that you'd expect to see uh, back of the pack. It's more like mid pack stuff. 
Good job, guys. Way to go. Wrapping up the weekend in Sugarland, Texas, the Sugarland Half Marathon, Amy with her fin- friend Brenna. This is Amy's first race report. Weather was beautiful, just like predicted, so they set out with the goal of getting a PR for Brenna. Uh, planned out their paces that they needed to go. They're going to start slow, finish strong. But as many of us do when we get into race events, went a little bit faster than planned. Got to mile 11, and Amy could tell that Brenna was still strong, so Amy sent her on to, I mean, it's, it's her PR they're chasing. Uh, in the end, Brenna finishes at just a little over an hour and 50 minutes, shaving three minutes off of her PR from 2020. PR bell for Brenna. And Amy finishes at just a little over 151, one of her top three half times of all time. So those are two outstanding half marathons. And with that, we finish this week's race report. Friends, one last reminder, group meetup Saturday, Disney Springs, 3 p.m. Man, we're looking forward to seeing you at Wine and Dine Weekend. No Zoom this week, Zoom next Thursday. My friends, and if you run, you know you are our friends. We are so excited to be seeing you very soon. But until then, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.